Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our conversation. Thank you for coming to the special Monday night edition of the show. I uh, appreciate it. Well, we will be interviewing uh, Jack Lombardi, who is running for the 16th district in Illinois against Adam Kinzer. Now we know the fight for Illinois 16th district will be tough. Uh, King Jr. will have the backing of the political class. We are happy to stay with the status quo of the Republican Party caving to the Democrats. Uh, America does not need 
another Republican who will side with the Democrats, especially when they attempted to impeach President Trump. Uh, we, the people, need representation uh, who are by and for the people, not by and for the politicians. Now, one of uh, Lombardi's, I uh, think we'll talk to him soon, uh, Hallmark Issues is out of term limits. Uh, so you can see uh, things on his website. We provided here on Blog Talk Radio. And so America needs grassroots candidates who will become those who will truly represent we the people. And so, of course, we appreciate uh, you, the listener, uh, sharing in this episode with us uh, tonight. And then before we bring our guest on, so I do uh, see him on. Also, uh, mark your calendars uh, for May. We'll be our regular show this, uh, this Wednesday, but also mark your calendars May 19th where we will have former director of the Office of Small Business Program for the Trump Administration's Department of Defense, Amy Murray. And she will be joining us on the show on the 19th of May. So we're looking forward to having her back on to the show. So let's go ahead and welcome our guest. Uh, Jack, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm well, and thank you so much for having me on here. I apologize; it's taken so long for us to get together, but I'm I I've been stoked to be on your podcast. Well, I certainly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, on Bart's logic, I mean, you know, we're here on all types of you know podcast apps, iHeartRadio. Uh, we're also on you know just again a lot of those here, and also here on Blog Talk Radio, where to the uh, the podcast. Uh, you know, either live or, of course, you know, through the recording on those. So let's go ahead and, uh, and get right to it. Uh, so we certainly appreciate you coming on the show, and, and hopefully it won't be the, the last time we have you on either. So we'll begin with, you know, you've decided to run for office. So tell us why you decided to run, and specifically, why are you running against Sindinger? Well, you know, there's there's such a thing as a higher calling, you know what I mean? The United States of America is, is – it's been very, very good to me, if you will. It's, uh, you know, I've been self-employed since I was a young man. I've been able to do what I wanted in life, you know. And um, <clears throat> and as I aged and had children, I become more and more patriotic and started to realize just how great this is. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I don't know if you knew, but my wife's family is from South Korea. And, yeah, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, so, you know, you learn so much when you're married into an immigrant family. Uh, you know, so much about the United States from, from an outsider's perspective. You know, like in North Korea, you know, the problem with communism is is – you know, people, people in the United States can't even wrap their brain around it. That's the best way I could describe it. I mean, it's hard to even explain it. And some of the stories I've been told, you know, about my, you know, from my wife about the conditions in North Korea, you know, again, people wouldn't be, in, be able to even wrap their brain around it. So I, I believe that all these experiences led me down this road. As I said, I mean, it was – it was a higher calling because I never had any political aspirations ever in my life. Uh, but, you know, um, when you're given a mission, 
or you're given a task, you take it, right? If you know, if you know where it came from, you say, well, okay, uh, this needs to have to happen. And so running for Congress, uh, it, it wasn't so much about Kissinger. Kissinger wound up being the straw that broke the camel's back. It's what tipped me over, you know? And I guess if I was going to say just for myself a why I decided to run, just as a, a normal American, just like yourselves and your listeners, uh, I got sick and tired of watching politicians just just drive this country into the ground. I mean, Illinois is just awful. I mean, it, it's 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 so corrupt, it's like a joke that people say, yet it, it really is. In the government, politicians – it's positioning for themselves and not for the betterment of the country. And I'm not saying every politician who's gotten into office, you know, got into office, you know, maliciously, right, for a malicious intent. And I even believe that of many of the Democrats, believe it or not. But I believe that the way it's structured and the same old, same old is why we are where we're at right now currently and president trump came in and just turned it on its head and uh they didn't like that and i rooted for him the whole time because i wanted someone that was going to come in there and shake things up a bit and it sure as heck happened and while it was shaken up a lot was exposed and i believe we don't have enough fighters in congress and uh you know i've been well known for fairly decent litigation skills and uh, standing on principle, no matter what was in front of me. So, you know, collectively, this is the reason why I ran. And then Kinsinger, if there's anything that irks me, it's like a thumbscrew. Everyone has one. When you vote 99% of the time, then you vote, I forget exactly what it was, 86% of the time, and turn around and say, well, that president got nothing done, and when it doesn't look good for you, you, you about face. He showed his lack of character, and, you know, we can't have politicians like that in office anymore. I mean, something happened to him, and it was always about him uh, and never about the people. So something must have happened, and he's an opportunist, and he doesn't have the American people in his best interest, and certainly not the people of the 16th District. I mean, I— I speak to these people all the time. Uh, you know, the majority voted for President Trump. So how could he vote to impeach President Trump, Trump when his constituents, uh, you know, voted for him? So, yeah, I mean, Adam Kinsinger is bad news. He has poor character. And, uh, you know, he's in this for himself. And we can't afford two more years of someone like him that wants to throw fellow Republicans under the bus someone like him that all he wants is the next headline on CNN. I mean, it, it's, it, I, I'm embarrassed for him every time I I see that he's on CNN. So, I mean, I, maybe that answers your question, but I, to frame it out, it wasn't about Kissinger. It just wound up being the straw that broke the camel's back was what he did. Well, yeah, yeah, certainly. And, you know, you said another two years. It's it's going to go go slow, unfortunately. I think so. And, and because I know, Ken, you know, Kendner will have 
as I stated earlier, you know, the backing of the political class, they would love to keep things status quo. Uh, we don't need that. America doesn't need that. So it is going to take time for, you know, for your campaign, I think. You know, it's going to have to, you know, you know get the funds, of course, you know. Uh, it's also going to have to get more, you know, name recognition, things of that out there. Um, you know, I see on Twitter, I've seen some commercials. I've seen your uh, – we played a little bit a couple of weeks ago, your response uh, to Biden's speech. So we played a little bit of that uh, on the show a couple episodes ago. Um, but since we're on the vein with Kingsler and, of course, other candidates, uh, tell us what you believe sets you apart from the other candidates, such as Kingsler and, of course, you know, but there's also – uh, Catalina uh, Lauf. I haven't heard much from her lately, but to my understanding, she still be she'll still be running. So, what sets you apart from, let's say, at least those two candidates? Well, here's a juror. I mean, I don't even want to compare myself to, right? So he has an R behind <laughs> his name just because it's stuck there. It should be a D, and we all know that. So there's no like comparison there. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, with with. Catalina, I don't want to, you know, I, someone asked me if I wanted to, if I was going to engage in uh, dirty politics, right, in, in the primary. And I said, no, but I call things the way I see them. And that's all I've done. And I want to stand on the side of truth. Uh, Catalina, I mean, you know, she's, um, you know, she went to school for politics. She obviously aspired to be in politics. Uh, she's very young. And there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, the founding fathers were wise, and I don't want to go against that. It was, she was very young. And, um, you know, she's, uh, you know, when she she came out, it, it pretty much looked like, you know, here's here's your candidate because we're going to tell you here's your candidate. And that I find mm-hmm. as, a, as an American, I find it insulting. That could be. Even if it was a Democrat, right, it, it, whenever the establishment picks a candidate it, and tells you this is who your candidate is and you have establishment money behind you, remember, do remember, establishment money is the top of the whole thing, and then it feeds into Democrats and Republicans. You know, so establishment money, it's like the birds, it's, it's uh, you know, two wings of the same bird, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot so of people think, uh, think that. that certain. Say that again. No, I said yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of folks, especially here, and our you know the people who listen to the show, uh, you know they they convey to me with you know with messages and things of that nature that they think that as well. It's two sides of the same coin. A lot of them say. Absolutely, I would agree with that statement. So that's been my uh, issue, right? I'm sure she's a sweet person. She's a nice young lady. I'm sure of that. Uh, however, is this the best we could do? I can only imagine her and AOC, you know, because Catalina came out and said she's a Latina, which, you know, I responded to, you know, let's keep the left, you know, let's keep the identity politics for the left. She came out and, you know, that's what she said right out the gate, which, you know, it's anti Republican at this point, what you know, this new America First, uh, I, I don't I, initiative, right? It, it really goes against that. And I can only imagine her and AOC, and, and and I can only see AOC, which is a complete con woman, eating her up and spitting her out. 
and in getting her to move on her positions of immigration because her family are legal immigrants, you know, putting it on her heart and, you know, pushing her around that way because AOC is a con woman. There's no reason. I mean, let's, let's be honest. She has 12 million followers on Twitter because she knows how to tell people what they want to hear. And she's good at it. So, and I, I mean, I met plenty of people like AOC in my life. Uh, you know, I've been in business for almost 25 years. I've, I've seen, I've seen them all. So, you know, that's my thought is that, you know, he, he she would eat, eat her up and spit her out. Now, again, I mean, I assume she's a nice person. I mean, I've only chatted with her in a very, very short conversation once. So I don't want to, you know, talk bad about her. I mean, it's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just calling out the obvious. Uh, So what sets Catalina and I apart is Catalina, from what I understand, has like one year of private sector work experience. And I've been working since I was 16 and I'm turning 44 this Saturday. I've owned my own businesses since I was 21 years old. Um, you know, I did well young financially. I lost everything. I was homeless. And now I own the top-ranked and rated digital marketing company in Chicago, which is the third lar- largest market in the United States. Oh, wow. You know, so I guess you could say I you know, know how to get things done. I used to own a trucking company, a semi-dump uh, truck company in my 20s, and I was able to build that to a multimillion-dollar company. But unfortunately, you know, the recession, and I went through a oh, separation. Yeah. At I went through all that at one time, separation and the recession, trying to get, through, you know, navigate a trucking company through that. It, it was, uh, you know, it, it just all went at one. It, it was just a lot at once, man, trying to go through separation, custody court, and, um, and, and then, you know, the recession. So, yeah, I mean that's what separates a lot of life, a lot of life experiences, and I mean if, let's look at it. The name is representative. So right, who do you want in office? Do you want someone that's lived some life, who can, you know, I, I guess I'll say it this way: who can feel or knows what it feels like to be most of the constituents, especially in a time like now. Someone who's who's lost everything, faced financial ruin, and then fixing all that, fighting and clawing and getting back on top. Or would you want someone with no experience? I mean, I, I guess that's what it comes down to. And then if you look at, like, Kidsinger, I mean, he had the storybook fairy tale life uh, childhood growing up. And, you know, he goes in the, into the Air Force strategically you know, as an officer. Oh, wow, yeah. Then he, goes, hmm. then he goes into Congress, right? So what kind of life had he lived that would give him the knowledge he needed, the life wisdom and life experience needed to be the representative of a district that's it's enormous, that has uh, many, many different types of people in it, but mainly... I mean, you got some of these areas are like fifty thousand medium income. Like I was, I was raised in a blue collar family. When I was a little boy, we were so poor that I had to eat ketchup sandwiches. I lived oh, in a trailer yeah. park. Well, 
Yeah. I'll admit, I, I'll then, admit, mine had a little cheese on it, but. Go ahead. Maybe a green sandwiches. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Jeff. No, no, we couldn't even afford cheese, so you know, in you didn't have milk for cereal, so you had to dry or eat it with water, right? Uh, oh my God. You know, hot dogs, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, I was I was poor, you know. Eat, and I lived with uh, in, in a trailer park with with uh, I was the only white kid. It was all you know black pretty much. And you know, when you're that poor, there is no race anymore because poor doesn't have a race. You know, it, it's just everybody else that doesn't know any better knows that because we, we, you're one people <laughs> when you're poor. So I, I that's what I came from. And part of you know my motivation, of course, my father worked very hard. And they were tri- retired very well. I'm very proud of my dad. I, I came from a, you know, hard-nosed, old-school Italian guy. He he wound up uh, becoming a, boss, a foreman, then a superintendent, and, you know, one of the top guys of the largest demolition company in the world. Uh, and that was all through hard work, discipline, and, and doing what you say you're going to do. And those were the principles I was raised on. So, you know, when you look at representatives, you know, somebody that lived a storybook life, of course they're not going to understand what their constituents are feeling in, in how to, you know, stack the cards in the favor. I know a better way of putting that, but stack the cards in the constituents' favor. You know, you just don't know. You just don't know what it's like. So, and I mean, everyone has pain. I'm not trying to discount any experiences he may have had in his life. But, I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's pretty polished. It's, it's like too clean. You know what I mean? Uh, so mm-hmm. that would be what I'd say would differentiate me from the other, the other uh, candidates in the 16th district. It, it, well, and it almost seems anymore that you have to be pretty much uh, weaned into politics, you know, where it's like you have to be groomed for it. <laughs> it seems like that's just well, how, it, how like, people get in anymore. Well, you know what, you know, uh, President Trump broke that mold, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) He didn't say everything right. He didn't say everything right. He didn't do all the plays right, but he certainly did open a lot of eyes, didn't he? He certainly did. So I said, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you think? I mean, I've said many times, uh, you know, here in the program and off, is that I I never really seen him as a Republican. I seen him more of a, a populist than a Republican. That's why I didn't understand why he was so well. You know, in some ways I can understand why he was so hated by Democrats and some Republicans. Uh, but he was a populist. He wasn't he wasn't really a Republican, at least in my my view, uh, view of Trump. Um, uh-huh. So, and, and that being said, you know, now let's say you get in the office. And, and thinking of that, that mold, how would uh, you reach across the aisle to the Democrat colleagues? And one of the questions I want to have for you is, and convince them to vote for what is good for America instead of what we're seeing recently where they just want to vote for things that's good for increasing their party's power. Well, that's a great question. And there are <coughs> – pardon me. No, it's not. The, the, the answer is this, Okay. Reaching across the aisle, of course, there's a time that you extend the olive branch, and you have to know when to do that. But there's also a time that you have to dig your heels in 
and out position, outflank the person to get them to a position where they may accept the olive branch. And that is why President Trump said there were such poor negotiators in office, and I believe that's the reason why this country continues to go left, is because the Democrats' leaders, you know, not the Democrat voters, I mean, there's many of them that are great Americans. I'm not going to I'm not one of those guys that's going to trash somebody just because they vote Democrat. You know, oftentimes I find they just, they're misinformed. But anyways. So that's for certain. (laughs) It it is definitely information warfare out there, and and it's it's ramped up. And we'll get deeper into that as we go along, but I have some stuff I want to share with you. So Yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, because that was a good segue from the next question, but yes, definitely, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll finish this one. I'll catch you. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll no, bring no, that in fine. as no, we go. We have plenty of time, Joe. So, <laughs> with uh, reaching across the aisle, there's not there, there's times that you could do it, like I said, and there's times you can't, and you have to know when to do, you know, when to hold them and when to fold them, right? Right now, right. the way things are, I don't see a lot of uh, reaching across the aisle. And for good purpose. Have you ever read The Art of War? I'm sure some of your listeners have. Have you? Parts of it. I, I didn't read all of it, but there were parts, yes. You want to pick up the business version. It's just, it's like a director's cut, you know what I mean? It's like the Cliff Note version. Mm-hmm. It's very informative, and it's, um, you know, it's information that I've used in my life as a uh, – entrepreneur, and it's helped me navigate tricky situations that I may have had to face, right? So here's my prediction. We're going to win back the House in 2022, but we're going to have to undo a lot, a lot. Oh, yeah. A lot of this madness, right, especially this socialist, a.k.a. communism nonsense that they're pushing through. You know, they've got, you know, you, you could put lips, you know, they say you could put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. I mean, that's what they're doing. I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like a bomb and you wrap it real, real pretty wrap, wrapping paper. You know what I mean? It's still a bomb. <laughs> so, yeah. Re- the media makes it look attractive, not it? It does. And that's what they do when they play on the good hearts of people. You know, like I have friends that are liberals, and honestly, they have really good hearts, and that's the problem. The heart's in the right place. It's just the, um, you know, they're just misinformed. I mean, they're just misinformed, and they want to believe in this this utopia that doesn't exist. So uh, reaching across the aisle, I don't think there's going to be a lot of that for a while. I think that... You know, when you reach across the aisle is when you're in a um, negative power position. When you try to do that and you try to position yourself to extend the olive branch, uh, if you wind up trying to reach across the aisle prematurely, you come off as weak. So I don't know if we're, we're in the right climate because right now the Democrats, more specifically the left, is in the driver's seat because we've had weak negotiators negotiators that allowed this and we've had uh weak republicans who you know didn't do the will of their constituents or maybe they've been compromised or whatever i don't know i don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist and you know but something had happened and that's why we are where we're at so 
reaching across the aisle and what would I do? I, that's, you know, I don't think there's any, as of right now, the, the positioning is all wrong for it. Um, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's like, okay, how, how bad do you want to get screwed here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I reach across the aisle, it's like, you know, okay, here, I, instead of you just doing it, I, I'll let you do it. It's, it's still going to be the same outcome. So you need to have better positioning and use other, um, <clears throat> other tools and power available to you to put yourself in a position uh, for better negotiation. And in, in one of the easiest ways we could do it is that the American people who love this country all get out and vote. They get involved with their local counties. They get involved with their school board is the most important. I believe that the most important position in this country right now is the school board. For any American, everywhere we're at, we need to be involved with the school board because that's where all this starts. I mean, look at this. We have a whole generation of people who were given trophies for just showing up and participating who have, been, who have adapted the idea, the fundamental ideas of socialism without even knowing because they think everything yeah. has to be fair. And that was social conditioning that happened there. We can't allow that stuff. So uh, I hope that, I know it doesn't answer your question, but I mean, that's the only answer I have for that uh, question you asked. No, that's, that, that's fine. No, we, we like, we like honest answers here. Uh, whether it's an answer to it or not, it's, it, it's, it's an honest answer. We certainly appreciate that. And speaking of the media, um, how you know we all know what's going on with you know with, with big tech, with you know what happened with uh, Trump on on Twitter, and just you know, you know a lot of with even you I mean YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. But so how would you know, we're all you know having here you're you're in office. Uh, how would you handle big tech? And I would even say maybe even more importantly, uh, mainstream media when it comes to censorship. And in regards to the media, uh, how about the propaganda that – I mean, it's obvious that they spread. I mean, we, we contend here that the media is becoming more and more like state-run media, getting us closer to the way China does things than, than ever before. Well, two things for you. The first one is, the first part of your question, it is a great day to be a conservative entrepreneur. I'll just tell you that much. Uh, it's a great day to be a conservative tech entrepreneur, to be more specific. And as for state-run uh, propaganda, it's not like it is. And it's been happening since 2012. We're all technically 2013. And you could go back and research this, and it's so funny. If you read it, you're going to know why no one talks about it, because it's so legally buttoned up. So it's, and I put this out on Twitter. I don't know if you caught this, but more people need to talk about this. It's the Smith and Mundet Modernization Act of 2012. Obama put through. Here's what here's what this is. Bef- right after uh, World War II, there was an act passed. It was Smith and Mundet that you can't have domestic news uh, put the United States of America in a, like in a, represent it in the dark light, no matter what, right? So that was going to stop any foreign propaganda. 
we now we could do that overseas you know because we'd put propaganda in uh you know like in Europe and in in uh Africa in these different areas right mm-hmm. and it's the, but in the United States it was forbidden until 2012 and uh, there's a lot huh. of media that yeah did you look it up well, not right now, but I'm certainly going to be listening to the podcast and looking it up. That's for, yeah, yeah, I've seen so a, a mention of it going through Twitter, but, yeah, they're really going to have to do more research on that. That's – I don't know if fascinating is the right word, but – Well, here's here's – now let me break this down to you. Here's what's been happening. Because of this, it's allowed mainstream media, which denounces this. They say, oh, it's not true. It's, Obama didn't sign in propaganda. No, it's not true. Of course not, because that's who's using it. You know, so people will say, oh, here's these articles. You're crazy. Did you read it? Uh, well, buddy, who the hell do you think is making money off of this? <laughs> of course they're saying that. Before, if you look at news before 2012, you're not going to see this. You're not going to see how, you know, rampant it is now, like this propaganda that's happening. So what's happening is is now you have state-ran propaganda. What happens is, and, and there's an interesting book. Now, remember, I own a digital marketing company. I learned uh, on my own, I, I, I learned Google's algorithm, Yelp's algorithm, Facebook's algorithm, more specifically Yelp's. That's how I made my money. And... With uh, Google's algorithm, you know, I learned how to get search results to the top of the first page, right? So that that's pretty much what I do uh, professionally. Huh. Now, um, what ha- now? There's a there. It's called search engine optimization. There's a book by Ryan Holiday. It's called Confessions of a Media Manipulator. Trust me, it's trust me, I'm lying. Confessions of a Media Manipulator. And anyone that's interested in this stuff, I highly suggest you uh, get this book and read it. It's incredibly informative of how you can manipulate the media. But also, it's how the state agencies can manipulate the the media too. So if you start, like let's just say an example. And I don't want to say names of websites because I don't want to have any problems. But let's say there's a big, uh, you know, massive blog, billion-dollar company. Uh, You know, you you can read it, but not those words. And you were going to start posting about something on there uh, about some sort of – interaction between a black American and the police and you put a video on there and let's say let's say maybe that video is not true okay let's say it's not exactly true and uh, reporters want to be first not right so they'll jump on that grab it and run with it <laughs> and it works its way up right it works its way up the to the bigger media well now it's it's you know, been syndicated everywhere. And uh, because it has something to do with the United States and how it's framed out, the government can get involved. And, you know, you could put the pieces 
of the puzzle together from there, right? Oh yeah. So that's what's that's what we've been experiencing. <clears throat> so the fact that we have this has been put in place and it's been allowed and it's easy to manipulate. And if the government decides they want to put out their own propaganda and work the channels, work its way up, and then once it gets to this certain you know threshold and they want to take control of this, you know, say it's you know um you know one of the uh, government agencies that has like you know three three uh letters wants to get involved yeah. and they 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 can control the narrative. Now, how useful would that be if a particular party was in control of that particular, you know, three-letter agency? Be massive, right? Public opinion. Oh, yeah. So when you, so when you ask me the question um, about that, so here's the problem. When you're in office, if you were to go read the 2012 um, Modernization Act, right, and you read the last, the last five lines. That's where the action is. You can't even suggest that this is being used as propaganda when it's being used as propaganda. <laughs> it's wow. It's, it's, I read it over and over and over, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me here. And um, yeah, how did this get passed, well, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and I actually read how it was sold, right? And and it was fought heavily. And, it, you know, that this, you know, the uh, Modernization Act, you know, how it was it was changed, fought heavily because uh, I can't remember the representative's name, but he had a great argument. He said, then what's to differentiate us from the U.S., from, you know, the USSR, the Soviet Union? Yeah. It's the same thing. But that is what they've been putting in play. And you got these people saying, oh, but no, things need to be fair. Well, the problem with society, in my opinion, is people think that life has to be fair. And if you're a Christian and if you've ever picked up the Bible, it will tell you it's not supposed to be fair. Remember, you know, I think you noticed that my background is uh, I have a heavy background in mixed martial arts and martial arts. So Bruce Lee said, don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a hard one. And there's no easy, you know, liberal utopia out there where everything's going to be easy and everyone's going to be fed and everyone's going to be running down the street holding hands. It just doesn't exist. But there are policymakers who have convinced Americans that this will happen. And these are the people with just gray hearts. The heart's in the right place, just, you know, like uh, Ronald Reagan says, you know, it's not that our liberal friends are are uh, ignorant. They just know a whole lot about nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, this is how this whole thing unpacks. The reason we have big tech, you know, and it's, it's ever so wonder of how it all became so liberal. And have you ever seen um, – so I have to go to these events professionally, right, the, you know, in downtown Chicago for digital marketing events and, you know, a new launch and things like that. I literally uh, – I, I might have a, a, you know, a soda. I'm there. I show my face and I leave because I just don't belong there. <laughs> I'm not like these people. Yeah. 
And if you've ever been to their, their events, right, I, I sat at one, and it was a tour, and it's like a think tank of uh, tech projects coming out of Chicago. And I was there for a few hours, and I was looking at how the, the office was built, and I was looking at all the different workstations and the kind of environment, and they talked about the culture of the workplace, and I'm like, wow, it's socialism conditioning. You know, this is that's what it is. So if you look at like big companies like Facebook and and uh, Google and and uh, you know, we'll just talk about them, right? Okay. Their office, their 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 corporate atmosphere, or Twitter even, right? It's very it's very utopia, very um, social. Right, it's, it's very everything's fair, everything's even, everyone is hypersensitive to everybody, and it's all under the guise of social justice. But it's not; it's a conditioning that was purposely done because these platforms have so much influence over the American people. I mean, we're all we're all on these 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 platforms. So if you can condition the workers, you can condition. The, you know, the, the terms and conditions of, of the platform, and they'll enforce it without question because that's how they believe life has to be, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then that's, that goes out to this is how they control the American people who use their platform. So, I mean, that's, that's what's been happening through, you know, since um, big tech really got around. It's just been, you know, an arm of uh, the leftists and a lot of liberals gravitated to it because, I mean, it's it it you know in idea it it the idea of it seems great, right? But the fact is, it's it's a it's a it's a fraud. It's not real, and it's not sustainable. I mean, look at what's happening what, what? in Portland. The snake is eating itself over there because it was left unchecked. But go ahead. Oh no, no, I'm just I'm uh you know, go ahead. I'll just get uh just I'm just fascinated. <laughs> I tell you what, I was just thinking, man, you, you, you really do need to be on the floor of Congress because when they're you know, calling and talking and explaining things, I'm like, Man, th- this really needs to get out there <laughs> Well yeah, and, and and that's why I wanna try to do as much as I can to get that conversation started before and I'm hopeful and I have my fingers crossed that we have a conservative platform that uh, we could share this kind of information. The alarms could be sounded to where constituents are going to say, hey, what about what Lombardi was saying? Hey, we want you to do something about that. Because if we could do that, now I'm sure some Republicans that believe, well, you know, we could use it too. And that's fair. That's That's a fair statement. But Honestly, Republicans are, I mean, we're getting our rear ends handed to us. Yeah. Well, and I've said many times is, you know, just look at the positions that, you know, conservatives and uh, and liberals take. And, I mean, a lot of your liberals, they're, you know, they're, they're your teachers, the social workers, you know, the, the people who are in, in your media and your entertainment. Uh, these are – they've taken positions, got themselves trained and put in positions to influence people where you have the conservatives who are, you know, 
basically are trained into basically building the country with, you know, products and services, uh, you, know, you know, actually building literally the builders of the infrastructure. You know, and that's kind of the positions where conservatives lean to. I mean, we're not as much as, you know, influencers uh, as they've been trained to do. And, and now we're – I think we're now it's, – it's to our detriment that, you know, it turned out that way, in my, in my opinion. You're right, but the conservative has not shown their flex. Let me put it this way. God help us the day conservatives flex their muscle because yeah. liberals flex theirs. Wait until conservatives all say, you know what, I've had enough, and everyone bands together. Trains will stop. Products will stop. Semis will get parked. I mean, that will happen. I mean, we could bring this country, this whole world, to a halt. It's That's just conservatives. <laughs> I was in a uh, meeting with, uh, a, you know, county board, uh, Republicans, and I said, the problem with conservatives is we've become complacent. We have. And no one wants to rock the boat because they don't want to deal with the liberal media. They want to deal with the lunatic left. I, I once got, um, I was told on Twitter, I said, the, the loony left, and someone said, you can't say that. That's, that's insulting to people with mental health issues. And I'm like, well, I didn't mean to insult you. You know, <laughs> so, these people are, you know, it's like, listen, you, you, there's a joke in my house, right? So my wife is Korean. My daughter's Korean, you know, part Korean. My right. son's mother is uh, Mexican, Puerto Rican, and Native American. So I always tell my son, you have the trump card on everybody. Though your last name is Lombardi, you could say, get off my land. <laughs> so he has that one over on everybody. But, you know, we have a multicultural family. I mean, my ex and my wife get along great. <clears throat> and, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it took some years to get there. But, you know, everyone gets along. She's supportive. She's even willing to come out there. Uh, if someone was, you know, politics can get dirty, she said, if someone messes up my wife, she's going to come out there. I was like, oh, man, we don't need that. You're rough. But well, uh, she's a city girl from the city. <laughs> but uh, well, I, that, the point is, the point is, what I was saying is, is that uh, we don't have thin skin. I mean, my wife, uh, you know, she was picked on because she's a twin. And you don't see too many uh, Orient twins on the south side of Chicago, right? That doesn't happen. And, and actually right. being um, Korean and a twin is like an anomaly. It just doesn't happen. You know, I had to be – I lived in 43 states before I was 16. So you know the new wow. kids. You always get screwed with, right? So I, I think I was mm-hmm. in 14 different grammar schools or something like that throughout the country. Um, I've lived everywhere you can imagine for short periods of time because of my dad's job. But, uh, you know, I had to um, – you know, I had to get involved with martial arts and, you know, boxing and wrestling and everything just to protect myself, right? So. Mm-hmm. We lived in some rough I'm areas, I'm five foot too. six and went to an all-boy high school. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I went I'm to an all-boy high school. I'm five six, a buck thirty in an all-boy high school that was filled with jocks. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> all right, well, I was the same thing. So when uh, when I, uh, you know, grew up, so, I, you know, I got, I developed some real thick skin, right? My wife, same thing, 
So we'll make fun of one another. I mean, privately, right? But it, it, we right. laugh at how sensitive people are, you know. Uh, and but I try to be, I try to be mindful that some people have some deep pain, and you know, like I get that. But just how sensitive society has become, it's, it's, it's again, it goes back to the idea that everything should be happy and fair all the time, and it, and it's, it's an impossible task. I mean. Of course, they want to, they'll say, well, we're trying to strive for it. Fair, fine. However, it's really not how it works. Like when my son was little, my dad and I would, I don't know if you have any friends that grew up in Italian-American homes, but it's in the culture to kind of, uh, you know, to bust stones, as we would say, or break balls, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we would mess with my son, mainly my dad. You know, he loves my dad very much. My dad loves him, but he, you know, Jerk his chain, just, you know, he was little, just kidding with him. My son, you could say whatever you want to him. He'll just look at you like, okay, and? Because he just has so such thick skin. You know, he just don't care. He understands it's not true. It doesn't carry any weight. But you have right. these young people who grew up with this, you know, in these homes or this culture that, well, it has to be fair and, you know, we're going to protect them and protect their feelings well, what happens when you get out in the real world? That It's no wonder why, you know, um, the millennials hated President Trump so much. And not all, you know, but many of the millennials hated pre- President Trump so much because, you know, he, he was just uh, interruptive, brash. Yeah, well, whatever, that was his persona. You know, you, you know, could he get the job done? Yeah. Well, then that's all you care about. You know, his personality is his personality. But you have this coddled generation that have caused a lot of this. And it, and it's no, I'm not even going to say it's their fault. It's the environment they've grown up in. It's, it's the everyone gets an award. It's the, you know, the liberal policies that were put in the school district. And like I said in the beginning, the most important position anybody can hold, the most important position uh, in any sort of office or board is the school board. School board president, that's the most important position conservatives and Republicans can take in this country now. Yeah, now, and I'm not sure whether, you know, you'd have to have a – I think there's a lot of people, maybe even including myself, who think that, well, if you don't have an educational background, I mean, is that something you feel like you would even be qualified for or have merit for to be a part of that board? You know what? No, because you can't teach you can't teach common sense. You can't you know values are values. You know what I mean? If values are values. You know, like I said, I mean I have friends that are in Mensa. I got one guy I play cards with. He's in Mensa. He's conservative, and he has a ultra liberal friend that's in Mensa. You know what Mensa is, right? Yes, I do. No. Okay. All right. Well, I do. You know, mm-hmm. I support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I scored pretty high, too. Not enough for Mensa, but I think if I took it again now that I know what I'm looking at, I might be able to get in there. I don't know. I don't even know if I care to do it. Um, I kind of feel it's like it's, uh, it's like an ego contest, you know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I met I met plenty of dumb, smart people in my life. So, uh, And I've also hired a lot of people much smarter than me and signed their checks. So, you know, I'm just saying. Exactly. Uh, you, you can't keep, you can't teach common sense. And uh, so so going back to the liberal guy, 
this gentleman, he's a nice guy. He really is. And he gets so frustrated and he's got poor people skills. But if you just understand how he is, you don't take it personally. You know? But I noticed that many liberals will um, over subcompartmentalize uh, issues. They'll break them down into blocks, thinking blocks that weren't needed to be broken down. And they can overanalyze. And I'm, I, I, everyone does. I could say conservative could do it too. The difference is, is when you're conservative, uh, you know, most of the time you, you, you look at life a little bit differently. You look at handling situations. There's this kind of like protocols, right? Like for mm-hmm. most of my life decisions, the Bible's somewhere in there. You know, somewhere in my thinking, you know what I mean? Especially if it's a real tough one, it's like, okay, I could go this way, that way. I could go down this rabbit hole, or I could say, well, you know what? The Bible thinking algorithm, uh, you know, in existence, right? And and, and I do look, I, you know, I'm very spiritual, but I also look at, I'm very logical guy. I look at the Bible as like, uh, it's this, then that, you know, it's it's like an algorithm, right? So I'll go back and I say, well... When in doubt, I'm just going to stick to this because I, I'm I'm uh, it, it's kind of like a safe zone for me. Uh, I know I won't get in too much trouble, or I keep, I'll be in a position I can work my way back from. Whereas the uh, liberal guy that's very intelligent, and, and I've gone down these rabbit holes and I've kept up with them, and I'm like, you know, you you you've overanalyzed the details in front of you and done, but done a great job of it, but you lost track of the bigger picture, right? The the bigger picture has been distorted now because you spent so much time breaking down the details of the details. So when, you know, on the school board, getting to your question, do I think you need to have an academic background to be on a school board? No, I don't think you do. I think you need to be the balance of not having the uh, overthinking liberal running the show who wants to recreate the wheel. But, you know, my buddy, who I, I said that, you know, he's a conservative Mensa guy, his uh, Facebook post a few days ago was kind of funny, and I actually parroted it on Twitter. Um, progressive doesn't mean doesn't always mean Ford. <laughs> And I said, yeah, that's fairly <laughs> accurate. That's fairly accurate. Uh, yeah, but so, you know, to you, to your listeners, do I think you need to have an ac- academic uh, background to be on a school board? Absolutely not. I think you need to have a value system, a conservative value system, that you could take the issues that the school district is facing and uh, measure them to the values you have. You know, measure them against that, and then that will help you come up with the decision on how to, you know, move forward with the children and, and what they should be learning. I mean, get, if you have all liberals in there that are oh, – um, so, so another example, right? Um, I spoke at a school. I spoke at a, a Christian university about, um, you know, t- you know, which with, uh, how do I put this? I don't want it to be k- taken out of context. And not because I'm worried about you. I'm just worried about some liberal news getting in 
spinning it on me. Um, right. So, and they will. What I did is, <laughs> and because I know they will. So I, if I'm going to give them something, at least give them something good that I could, you know, that I could use too, right? Um, <laughs> there you go. So I, I spoke. I spoke at a university where, you know, we were talking. It was all educators, and we were talking about teaching children with ADHD. Okay. And one of the things we were talking about is because, you know, ADHD is viewed by many as a disability, and it's not. For some, it's a disability. Right. I would agree with that statement. But what others, it's an advantage. Uh, you know, some people can't focus at all, and, and people, with, uh, people who believe, you know, you have ADHD, well, you can't focus. Well, no, there's other people that can focus, out-focus most people. Uh, usually you have focus cycles of like 40 to 50 minutes. Uh, in an hour, and there's some people ADHD that can focus for like straight eight straight hours without breaking. Wow! And they have more energy and they have more focusability. But when it's off, it's off. You know what I mean? But what's on, it's really on. So I was, I was speaking on this and how to navigate, you know, children. And I remember speaking with some of the educators afterwards, and how there's just so much. So there was two male educators and I think like 17 female educators. The male teachers were like, hey, I really don't care what you got going on. It's going to be this way. I'm going to be understanding, but you're going to get, you know, their, their thing was move forward, right? Where you mm -hmm. had some of the, the, the female uh, educators who have more of a nurturing side, you know, I mean, that's just in our DNA who wanted to enable. And um, when you have, uh, you know, when you have young children, yes, you know, I, I think, you know, then I wouldn't say enabling is good, but I would say that um, they're more patient, right? I've raised, uh, I have my daughter who's 13 months and I have a 17-year-old son and a 24-year-old mm -hmm. stepdaughter. So, but, you know, I've raised some kids. Uh I you think my wife. <laughs> you ran the gamut. <laughs> oh yeah. So so you know, yeah, I would say my wife is, uh, you know, she's she's more patient than I would ever be. <laughs> but it's just her nature. You know what I mean? She's just built for it, right? And I, I think that women are just mm -hmm. built better for that. Not saying a man can't do it. I would say just be, you know, I, I, if we were going to go by percentages, just strictly math, I, you'd find more women that would do it. So. You, you know, you have these good-hearted people who wind up enabling, right? And, uh, you know, and I was, I was speaking on this about, you know, moving forward with, uh, with our children, you know, in, in not making everybody a victim. And in, in some of the teachings, you know, that I was learning about as I was, I was in there speaking but also conversing, I'm like, wow, you, you just position everyone as a victim. And that was right. like my real like firsthand experience of seeing how out of touch the um, the school systems are in what they're being taught and how to look at it. it it's as positioning everyone as a is a victim. So okay, these curriculums and this teaching comes down from very, very smart people who all work together because they want to steer how society 
uh, you know, is put together, right? And they want us to steer oh, society. Yeah. So, and, and that also goes back to legislature and, and people in Congress. I mean, that's where it all starts. It's, you know, what you can get away with and what you can't. So there's an engineering of uh, people, and we're seeing the outcome of it now, where everyone's a victim. I mean, you, you look at Joe Biden, he goes on the he, – he was on this um, – I forgot which one it was. I was watching it. It was, it was hard for me to even stomach it. I'm going to be honest with you. I know he's commander-in-chief, so they say, but, man, it was hard <laughs> for me to watch. He was pretty much identifying every group in, in, in some way labeling them as a victim of something, except for a white mm-hmm. man. Unless you were, you were yeah. an older person, senior, then you were okay. So yeah, we covered that some last week. Yep, exactly. What what was your thoughts on that? What was your sentiment? Well, there was actually yeah, there was a, we had a video uh, on the web that you know talked about on the website uh, where they just it was kind of broken down what they were teaching for. Um, it was part of critical race theory. We were talking about critical race theory last week, and it was just broken down. Yeah, so basically where it came came from that if you were anything other than a uh, Christian, white, middle-aged male, then you were somehow oppressed. Uh, so, yeah. when I'm, you know, so, like, middle-aged, and their middle-aged was, like, 25 to 50. And so I'm 50, uh-huh. so I, apparently I'm oppressed now. So, <laughs> you know, well, but yeah. that's what it basically, I mean, that's what it basically came down to. You're 50, so you're oppressed. Yeah, so I got six more years until I could be a victim. I guess so. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that's cool. You know, it'll probably never happen, and I'll never feel like one. You know what? When I'm going to share something with you and your your listeners here. Mm-hmm. When I lost everything, when I knew it was checkmate in my life, right? Where I knew I had to declare bankruptcy. That was the best and worst experience of my life. I knew what was ahead of me. I knew, I mean, it, it, it really showed who my friends were and weren't. I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, I, I think that bonded me and my best friend even more, that experience. I was so broke, I couldn't even afford my $50 Boost mobile phone bill, right, because I had to pay child support, which I was never late on, or I, was, I never missed. I was late once. And I was so apologetic and, you know, just really upset because uh, I was struggling to, you know, try to make money without making too much money because you can't file bankruptcy. It was this crazy system, right? My ex was like, holy cow, Jack, relax. You know, she knows I'm good for it, right? That's just not my character. Uh, but my best friend, he paid my, my bill for me, my $50 bill, and I couldn't even pay that. And that was that was the best and worst experience of my life because I'll tell you what. I was the happiest at that time because I was at rock bottom. It was nothing but up from there. I was homeless. I had to finally swallow my pride and ask my mom and dad if I could move back in, and I had a child. I mean, a year earlier, I was driving an $85,000 BMW, had money in the bank, flying back and forth to Vegas, had all these dump trucks, people in my office, employees, so much going on, so much buzz, so much energy, and then nothing. You know, like, just like, you know, the scratch in the needle. And, uh, you know, I went through some dark times, some dark nights, that you know, through that because I was no longer with, you know, my son's mother. 
So, you know, her and my son and his sister, his older sister, moved out. So I was by myself. That was a very awful experience. But I remember one day looking in the mirror, asking myself what I could have did different. How did I get here? Okay, and then analyzing it, looking at the mistakes I made until I was able to, you know, put my finger on it. Like, okay, right here was the critical mistake that I had made. And I made many, but, like, right here was this is where it turned. And from there on, uh, I fought the urge to ever be a victim of anything, you know, going through the rest of rebuilding my life. And um, I wound up getting out of it. And I reinvented myself. I went back to martial arts. The greatest time of my life. Uh, I had so much more fun in my 30s than I did in my 20s, I'll tell you that much. I, you know, reinvented myself. I met my coach who became my mentor. And in martial arts, you would call him your Sifu, which is like father figure in Japanese. My best man, I met my wife in his gym. Um, tell you a little bit about that. So Victory Martial Arts, you know, we were, we had a cage there. We're doing, you know, MMA. Uh, it smelled like a jock strap and dry blood. Right, the gym did. Ugh, that's terrible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you walk in there, you'd be like, oh, man, it's a dude's gym. So I'm sitting in the instructor room speaking with one of the other instructors talking about, you know, that day's class and how, you know, what we were going to do preparing for it. And uh, here comes this, this cute girl runs past the door, right? <clears throat> and uh, then all of a sudden she runs past the door again in the same direction, though. But I'm facing the door, so it was impossible that she could have went back without me noticing because I'm sitting there looking out the door, right? And I'm like, what the heck was that? You know, it just kind of caught my eye, and I, you know, pop my head around the corner, and I see my wife. But then I see her sister, who's her twin. <laughs> so I said, oh, okay, that's <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Like, I, I knew I wasn't going crazy. And yeah. uh, I wound up, you know, uh, I knew I was going to marry my wife right there. I'd never been that guy. I was never hokey. I thought that was all nonsense. And I got to tell you, I didn't even know her name. I knew I was a marry her. It was the creepiest, weirdest thing ever. But I had a, you know, courting her, I had a different swagger to me. It was, it was like a super confidence, you know, like the big man upstairs has got me. You know, like God, God put us together. I know this. Like, so I had this, like, cool swag to me. And I had this, like, ultra confidence. And my wife's 10 years younger than me, so she's just this young, quirky girl that just got out of a relationship. And here I'm this older guy with a kid, you know, uh, just coming out of a bankruptcy, building a digital marketing company, you know. And uh, so anyways, I wound up going to my coach, and I said, hey, look, one of your students, um, you know, I want to take her out. But, you know, it's, it's one of my students, but, you know, he's, he's you know, the master, right? I said, can I, I, can I take her out? I I don't want to do anything behind your back and I don't want to jeopardize my relationship that I built with you. And he said, okay, cool. You know, no funny business, you know, but he's, he's very Christian, very, very Christian. Right. So I said, all right, no problem. And uh, I was supposed to take, supposed to go running with my wife and I wound up standing her up like three times. (laughs) Oh, wow. It was, it was, yeah, right. And, and it's, 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 I telling you, it's divine the reason why I'm with her because any other woman would have been like, yeah, all right, buddy, you're done. Uh, 
we went we well what happened was is it was in the middle of the day we were going to go running and there's this place in in illinois if you're ever here and you like to go running it's called swallow cliff it's a like you could do tobogganing slides down it but there's stairs there's like 189 of them or something like that uh you could go run them up and down and i mean you're going to get a workout and at that time i mean i was in pretty good shape as a mixed martial artist so we'd run up and down those and then there's some trails you know behind them we'd go run well anyways i'd always schedule something with her in the middle of the day you know but i'd get so busy in business i'd forget i'd say one o'clock yeah yeah okay so one o'clock i'll meet you there and then it's like 1 30 she already had called me but i didn't you know i was on a business call and so anyways three times goes by i say you know what let me take you out i know this place downtown we're not going to be bothered you know i'm friends with all the everyone there the mood director the dj the bartenders you know, we'll be, we'll have our own little place in the corner. No one mess with us. Great place, you know, great environment for us to get to know one another. And, uh, you know, and I took her out and, and that was it from there. And my coach wound up being my best man uh, as well. And so I went through this whole reinventing myself as a person completely. And, and when you have a mentor and, you know, maybe some of your listeners have, you know, had a mentor or have one or never did, but when you have somebody that has everything you want, they're obviously the person you want to listen to because they obviously know how to obtain it, right? He's got the wonderful life, very successful. He's got a wonderful family life. His relationship with his wife is great. He's got an amazing young, young woman now. She's, you know, his daughter. Uh, so he knew how to do this and, and, and it seemed almost effortless for him. So he's, passed along, uh, along all the, you know, a lot of those ways. And it helped, really helped develop uh, me, right? Uh, and remember, I, I was already a successful businessman who just happened to lose everything, but, you know, I'm rebuilding myself. So go ahead, you know, uh, more time goes by and I wind up, you know, he's my best man. And in, in my campaign, he's behind the scenes. He's behind behind the scenes. <laughs> he's the one that... You know, like he—he's really behind the scenes, but he's—he's—he's he's, he's there. You know, he's the—he's uh, the guy who, uh, you know, we'll have like a team meeting. He's on the phone. You don't even hear from him. But if there's something really super important or something, maybe I forgot. You—you'll just hear him from the background out of nowhere. Hey, uh, so I didn't want to interrupt, but you know, remember we talked about this. So what do you—you know—he's he, always keeping. He's always involved in in my life somewhere, and you know, and it's definitely a blessing to have a man like that. You know. But um, well, just, we were talking about maybe victims. When you get in, so yeah, I, you get in. Maybe you'll have more people you could you can trust than Trump did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Trump didn't have very many people. I think he could trust. You you may not have that problem. I'm at least I'm hoping. <laughs> no, you, you know what? Listen, I mean, here I'll touch on that. But let me finish what I was saying about victimhood. Right? I sure. I get it. Right. I get it because I, I went through something. It was going to be very easy to be a victim. And, and I made a conscious decision that either life was driving me or I was driving life. OK. And um, that's a tough that's a tough conversation to have with yourself. I remember those conversations and I remember being surrounded by strong men, alpha men, some who were going through their own stuff. You know, other instructors that were older, 
that wound up becoming like my brothers. And um, everybody has a story and everyone has a, a fight or a struggle, right? We all know that. So especially as you age, you said you're 50, so I'm, you, I'm certain you know what I'm talking about. Oh, um, I certainly do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you have, uh, you know, everyone could be a victim or, or you can look in the mirror. And uh, I have something. It's written on a, on a notepad paper from an old notepad I had for the trucking company that I had lost, right? And it's a note to myself that I look at occasionally. Uh, when I need a reminder, when I'm starting to get soft or get weak, and uh, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's appropriate because it's pretty rough to to say. But let's just say that after reading it, I can kind of remember the state I was in when I wrote that to myself. You know, many many years ago, that was like um, I wrote that probably 13 years ago to myself, and I have it up on my my corkboard, reminding me to not be a uh, a wuss. We'll, we'll use the word wuss, right, in life. So you, we're, we're not, we're not, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, CC, uh, so you're all right, Jack. <laughs> okay. I, I understand. Well, <laughs> I did, I did a podcast yesterday and dropped an F-bomb. So, you know, I'm still kind of like, oh God, that probably wasn't great. Um, well, you know what? Well, that's well. You know, here's the thing. If I may interject, and I got a quote too. I won't. I won't go there now. It's only about four or five lines. But and I, our panelists here on the show did uh, and when I was going through some hard stuff because you know with my daughter and she had some health things we were dealing with for some years. And um, so yeah, so under, I mean, she's only 19 and she's she's already been run through some things. But anyway, uh, you know, so I get that. But I mean, but we. We need, in my opinion, yeah, you dropped an F-bomb, but Trump probably has done that himself. And what America needs, we need real people. As you said, you, rep, you guys are supposed to be our representatives. We should have people who are, are like us. And, I mean, I don't know anyone who's listened to the show who is not at one time in their life and probably multiple, like the host, has dropped an F-bomb <laughs> here and there. Yeah. It's like, come on, let's get some real people. Here, it's real people who can represent us and get the job done. I mean, is that real? That's that's all we want, real people who are going to get the job, you know, as I said, you know, buy and, you know, buy enough the people for the people, not buy enough uh, the politician for the politician. That, you know, that that's where I'm at with, you know, with that, so. Well, you know, according to Joe Biden, you know, the government is we the people. Ooh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that was what, last week? I, 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 was, I, think, I think even on Twitter I call him an arrogant ass <laughs> for that one. That one fired me up pretty good. No, you know, look, when you're a representative, again, it's in the name, right? You're a representative. You do represent the people. Uh, you know, I I really do in my heart feel like I know what the, the people are feeling. I know what they're going through. I've been through it myself, but I also have survived it. And I also, you know, from firsthand experience, do have, you know, living uh, experience in, in turning businesses around or, you know, turning your life around. You know, it, you can't – the, the idea from the, uh, 
from the left is, is you know, you can, you can either buy your way out of a problem, which that's not really the case, because the way you go bankrupt is a little bit at a time and then all at once, right? Or you, mm-hmm. can, you can really have this, you know, you can enable, like, there's a, you know, I grew up with a, I'm the youngest of six, okay? I would be the baby. And um, technically an only because my, you know, siblings were already older and moved out. So I had a mom, you know, I would say I was the baby, right? And my mom would still say that now. Um, But then I had an old school, hard-nosed Italian father, right? So my mom would, you know, nothing was ever, my mom, nothing's ever my fault, right? (laughs) I could do no wrong. (laughs) Like most good moms, you know what I mean? I can never do any wrong. Um, You know, I could count on one hand how many times my mom was disappointed. And that was was probably rough times for me as a young man, you know, or a kid. Well, my father, I mean, you weren't allowed to have an excuse. You know, you, you just, you're, you're just not. In, Sounds like my was, dad. <laughs> right, right. It, it, the problem we have here is, is we have, a, uh, we have a, a group of very intelligent people who have manipulated the good, soft hearts of, of liberals, and, and a lot of them are females, not, not all, but a lot of them are females, and uh, which has been able to push this policy. And then you have this propaganda machine that, you know, uh, that's on top of that, who's feeding this storyline to these people. And um, they've been put in impossible situations. You know, the deeper deeper I've gotten into this, into politics and running, uh, remember President Trump would always tell the story of the, uh, man, what was his version? Because I had a different version, but I said, you know what, that's spot on. He'd always talk about the... Uh, Oh man, what was it? The uh, the snake or yeah? What what was it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I heard somebody talk- mentioned something about a, a is it a snake in the hawk or something or? Well, yeah. Here, let me hear. Yeah, like the snake poem or whatever he'd always say. But I have a different version in a little bit faster version. If I could share it with you. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I know. My wife's how long? I was, yeah, I know. Um, well, no, so we have, well, as long as you can. Yeah, we don't. No, oh, yeah. Let me make that disclaimer. You don't. We don't have to fill up the whole the whole show. You can stay on as, okay. as as long as you want. I would like to get you know be able to do our our questions here, but um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if I, I I hope you didn't feel like you were obligated for us to fill up the the, the whole three. Hours. <laughs> it's great if you can. Uh, I mean, that would be awesome. Um, so, I, but I don't well, want to upset I'll, your wife either. <laughs> I'll try to, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'll try to hang in as, as long as I can. But uh, if she slips a note under the door, you know, with like an angry face, <laughs> then then you know, then that's going to be like, you know, I got unplugged from there, right? No, I'm just kidding. She she don't care. Um, <laughs> all right, going back. So, friend, I just can say real quick. Yeah. I had a friend that says I I am the head of the household, and my wife is the neck that turns the head. But go ahead, Jack. <laughs> that is uh, fairly accurate in many homes, <laughs> you know, and, and possibly mine. My wife don't use that. Uh, she don't use that leverage on me often, but when she does, I don't even – if she's willing to, you know, because I could tell she's ready to go to battle, I'm like, nope, 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 I don't want to deal with it. Whatever you want, I don't care. She doesn't do it often, but she knows, like, if she's willing to go to distance, I says, nope, because no one wins, right? Um, That's true. So this okay. So it's it's the uh, the snake and the turtle, right? 
so there was this one day there was this uh or i'm sorry the snake and the the frog so one day there's by this uh pond right and there's this lily and you know it's like a pond and this uh little frog jumps you know lily pad the lily pad the rock rock lily pad and uh hops off at the shore and he notices this snake and the snake has a broken tail the snake is you know slithering up to the water in the the frog keeping his distance because it is a snake is noticing this and the snake's about ready to go in the water and the frog is like hey yo you know you could tell i'm from chicago right <laughs> hey yo a little bit uh yeah hey how you doing no uh he said hey you know you got a broken tail if you go in there you're gonna drown the snake said yeah but i have to get across i have no choice and then, you know, the, the frog's like, yeah, but if you go in the water, you're going to drown. Like, what, what are you doing? So, you know, a couple seconds pass, you know, and the snake starts going again. And the frog's like, yo, you know, what? And the snake says, well, I told you I got to get across. How about this? How about I jump on your back and you, you know, hop me to the other side? The frog said, no way. You're a snake, you know. The snake said, hey, you know, uh, you you're helping me out. What am I going to do? The frog says, well, you're going to bite me. And the snake says, no way. You're helping me out. Why, why would I bite you? And the frog's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, anyways, the snake says, well, I, like I said, I got to go. And he starts going in the walk, and the frog really starts second-guessing his own judgment and feels really bad. So he hops over. He says, okay, snake. Jump on, I'll take you across. As long as you promise not to bite me. And the snake says, I'm not going to bite you. Don't worry about it. So snake jumps on the frog. The frog jumps over, lily pad, rock, rock, lily pad. Hops off the other side. Snake jumps off, wham, bites him. And the frog says, what are you doing? You told me you weren't going to bite me. I hope you out. He says, well, I am a snake. Trump used to tell yeah. that story all the time, his version of that story, for a reason. He was trying to tell everybody what was really going on. And I can tell you, from being involved in this, and I've mainly had to deal with other Republicans, that is a very, very true story. And that is what we're facing in this country. Our own better judgment, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that vote Democrat that are saying, hey, we didn't sign up for this. Everyone's better judgment that voted Democrat was saying, I don't know, Joe Biden's got a history of lying. They're talking about all this communist stuff. And he said, no, I'm not lying. I'm not going to do any of that. Look what happened right out the gate. The Keystone Pipelines. Trump was setting them up the whole time. He knew what was going to happen. That's what we're dealing with in this country. And we have to be more mindful of who we send to Congress. And we can't send pretty faces who know how to tell us the perfect line of what we want to hear. Maybe we need to start sending more imperfect people that are like us because they're going to get insulted and angry when the game is trying to be played on them. Because maybe maybe they've been around the block. Maybe they have, maybe they have really good, uh, you know, their BS sensors are really good, right? They can sense it a mile away. That's what we need to do as a country. We need to have an honest conversation with one another. Do we really like where we're at? Do we really want to be socialists? Because we all know it goes to communism. 
And we are facing that right now. That is what's happening. So not to be a downer, but it is a fact, and this is the truth. So we need to start looking at our candidates and saying, I don't care if you're ugly. I want to know who you are. What puts you together? I don't want to hear about the perfect little life where you've never felt pain. I want someone that's had their their rear end handed to them a few times and prevailed. I want someone with some grit because that person's the same person that's going to stand up to nonsense. That person's already been in wars. They already have scars. They're not afraid of it. But if you have somebody that's... No, I mean, that's why when the left made the big deals about, you know, Trump, you know, oh, well, Trump had bankruptcies and, and, you know, tried to make a big deal. I was like, yeah, and then he came back from it, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know what? I had a bankruptcy, and I've been really open about it. But I, mine, I lost everything. I wasn't able to restructure because it just wasn't there. I had lost everything. And you know what? I came back from it. No one gave me a penny. I wouldn't say that, you know, God didn't have my back because, of course, he did, and I'll always give him the credit. But, you know, I had a mentor, and, I, you know, I came from a great family, and I have that. And my mom and dad did allow me to come back. You know, I'm not going to say my dad made it easy on me. <laughs> and if he was on here, he would admit that, you know. But <laughs> I'm sure he had some things to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that wasn't easy. That was a real weird experience for him and I both after being that successful and having to go back and live with mom and dad. That was not that was a humbling experience, let me tell you. And uh, wow. you know, I did everything I could to get through that one and get out. <laughs> Thirty years old. Yeah, that wasn't cool. But uh you know, but I I'll tell you this much though, um, if I could digress, when when uh when I did leave uh my mom and dad told me they uh they were very proud of uh who I became. You know? So I you know, I always always think about that is uh you know, when you reinvent yourself, you know, what can come of it, right? So uh but we're going back to what we were talking about, these candidates, I mean we want to have this picture perfect candidate who's always seemed to have, be lucky, right? And always lived this perfect little life. Well you know I, there's they we don't know who they really are we we you know we need people in there who are like the american people who have the same values who have you know fallen and gotten back up who've scraped their knees in in, in life and and then wound up uh coming out ahead that's the type of people i'd like to see go into government now even even democrats I do believe there's a lot of Democrats that love this country just as much as I would say most conservatives do. I think that party was hijacked by the lunatic, you know, left. You know, just because you're a liberal, it doesn't make you a horrible person, right? Uh, you know, I, I know many of people that we can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree on, exa- you know, the, you know, guns and how that's handled. Um, you know, abortion, we can't. You know, that one I'm pretty much a stickler on. And, um, you know, that one I'm not budging on. <laughs> and it, what, it's not yeah, even – go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you see, you know, one, one thing, um, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, with the guns, you did. I did uh, find a, a quote one time uh, where 
you to say you were for the um, you know large magazine. So I certainly would like to you know, bring that up at you know at some time as well because. Um, you know, you, you think that uh, it's a good thing for people to be able to have, you know, multi-bat. I, I can't remember why. I think it might have been your, your website. You did uh, part of your press a press release or something like that. Um, I think it was a meme that I, I put out because <clears throat> Joe Biden said <laughs> these high-capacity magazines, you know, we don't need them and they're not good for anything, and what do we need them for? And I said we need them to defend ourselves from a tyrannical government, Joe. That's why I think exactly what I said in there. Right. Yeah, that's what um, I mean. Yeah, okay. All right. So here, here's the deal, right? Here's the deal if we're going to talk on the gun for a minute. I'm all for a 50-state concealed carry. Now, I understand that in other states or other cities that there's people who want open carry, and that may very well work there. In Chicago – you know, someone that says, well, I want open carry in Chicago, I, I, would, I would strongly be against that. And the reason is this. If you have a gun out in clear view, there will be five dudes will roll up on you with their guns and take that gun off of you. That's what's going to happen. And if you think you're going to get in a gun battle to protect your gun, you're going to lose that one, period. I mean, when I mean five dudes, I'm probably – being conservative with the number, it may be more than that. They're going to just start taking guns off of you. Uh, there's some very, very rough people in Chicago, you know, and I grew up minutes from the infamous South Side, just just a handful of miles. Uh, so, you know, I'm not yeah, I got cut down there one time. Really, was it? <laughs> you got what? I got cut down there one time. I was, uh, years ago, I, I took my, my my then wife at the time, um, yeah, because uh, yeah, because we're kind of similar to that. Is you know, I, you know, we got divorced, and but we're really good friends, and you know, she's real friends with my, you know, current wife. We all just you know, kind of you know, buddies now. But but we went down to we went to Chicago to see a, a concert, and my brother, we we went in my brother's car. He he parked his car somewhere he shouldn't have. I guess it, and then it got towed. And well, it got towed, and where the place was? was located was in the south side of Chicago. We had to walk to go to the south side of Chicago to where they had his car impounded. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah. all right, well, you know what I'm talking about. So, um, you know, I'm all for 50 state. Now, high uh, capacity magazine, let's just, you know, 30, 30 rounds is normal, right? Uh, I always joke and say a politician should never tell me about a magazine until you had to load one by hand, you know? <laughs> I mean, we, we we must love them if we'll load them by hand because that's, that's uh, rough on your thumbs. But they're really, you know, most of the guns that have been used in murders are handguns anyways. I mean, they're almost always. We'll, we'll have these events where uses the infamous scary AR-15, and it's always, I always, you know, I'm trying to avoid sound like a conspiracy guy, but it's awfully convenient that once Trump was settled into office, none of this happened. I mean, of course, Parkland happened, and that was freaking awful. Um, mm-hmm. But then, 
after that, nothing really happens until Biden gets in, and all of a sudden it happens again. I'm like, you know, the timing of that's really interesting that all of a sudden it happens again, you know? But, uh, you know, let, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, sometimes it almost looks like it's staged, yeah. It, something happens. That's what I'm going to say. You could say that. <laughs> I'm going to say something that seems weird. <laughs> uh, I, I do, I do want to get elected. So, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, let me say that. Uh, that <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, not, hey, I'm not running for anything, so I'll say it, Jack. <laughs> there you go. So the, um, so if, I mean, if we're going to start banning things, then we should ban the assault hammer. You know what I mean? Because more deaths are caused by a hammer than a gun anyways. Or maybe they <laughs> they botched that statistic because they like to change data on the Internet now. You know, this is ridiculous. They got yeah. this, you you want to know, have you ever heard of Wayback Machine? I have not. So your your viewers, your listeners, uh, there's a there's something called the Wayback Machine. If you Google it, you could put a website in there, and if they had changed it or taken something down, if you throw it on there, it's most likely been, uh, we'll call it logged, and you could find it. And you can also see how they changed the definition of words through the, all this Looney Tunes stuff that's been happening, uh, you know, with our country in the last handful of years. So a little, little tidbit for you if you want to, if you want to go look back at what the definition was and, you know, all of a sudden it conveniently changed to fit the new narrative. But when it comes to guns, uh, you know, I have a friend that said, what do you need those guns for? And I'm like, well, none of your business. How about that? Let's start from there because <laughs> I don't have to tell <laughs> yeah. you. All right. So that's, that's, uh, that's my right. I don't have to tell you. And um, in Illinois, when you buy a gun, there's like a little trick question when you buy it from the store, it's what's your intent. I mean, we, we, you know, you don't even want to put self-defense down. Uh, you wow. just want to put, yeah, you know, so it's always target shooting. I, you know, I just, I'm going to go out and shoot some paper. Um, so, you know, you know, so God forbid if you had to defend your home. So say, say some guy comes running in, in my house. I got my 13 month old daughter. And I have my wife, you know, who's uh, about, you know, 5'4 and about 120 pounds, comes running in with a hatchet, and then he's got a gun. Uh, well, you don't – this guy don't belong in my house. So God forbid – I mean, I'm just – this is all imagination, right? So i got to be careful how I say this. It's all figurative. So say I had to, had to defend my family because the threat of bodily harm – or, you know, bodily injury or death was imminent, and I shot this person and killed them. But that paper said I used it for self-defense. There could be some attorney that could twist it around and make a jury believe that I always intended to use that gun to commit murder. Wow. And twist the words around, you know. So that's the nonsense we have to, we have to start addressing. So when elected... I would push for 50 state concealed carry because I do believe that if someone's heavily medicated with psychedelics and we know, you know, that they're not healthy, mentally healthy, 
I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure it's probably not a good idea for them to have access to a firearm, especially being heavily medicated. Which, you know, maybe off the medication they're predictable, but on the medication they may not be. That's probably not someone that we should give a firearm to. And here would be the reason. Like Hunter Biden, they, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe someone that smokes crack. I don't know. I'm not saying anybody, you know, but I'm just saying, uh, you know. So if, if they go out and they shoot somebody, well, that makes the rest of us lawful gun owners look bad. And we're constantly under pressure here. Do I think it's an unreasonable argument? No, I don't think it's an unreasonable argument. I know I know there are constitutionalists that are probably have their palm to the forehead that are listening to this, but you know, we have to have you know, a reality here is that the gun is easier than, you know, other forms of uh murder, right? Like I said, a hammer is used more, but it's a lot easier to pull a trigger than to swing a hammer at somebody and actually hit them in such a way to kill them. Matter of fact, a friend of mine got hit in the head with a hammer, a carpenter's hammer, and wound up nearly killing the guy for doing it to him. Oh my God! Uh, he was, yeah, and he was also, you know, uh, I'm not going to say who it is because it's a private story, but he was also a professional. He was a professional boxer. Let's leave it at that. So it didn't go well for the guy that hit him in the head with a carpenter's hammer. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a bad day for that guy. Um, but you know they you know so so high capacity magazine you know it, you know what defines high capacity magazine and and have these magazines really been the problem have they really been the problem in um you know mass murders have they been the problem in you know urban warfare i mean if we're going to say the magazines are the problem in urban warfare then you know, most of those murderers that were committed, like, say, in the city of Chicago, are handguns, like, hands down. So I, I think it's just a it's, – it's the, again, playing on the good heart of the, of the unknowing. Uh, here, I got a friend. Uh, we, we say we're like brother and sister. Our, our kids played hockey together for so many years, so we sat next to one another on, the, on these cold benches. And she is as liberal as a day's long. And I, I told her one day, why don't you go? She's on Facebook harping on guns. I said, I said, would you ever be interested in meeting me at the range? I would bring my AR and my hunting rifle, and I'd like, you know, and I want you to shoot both of them, and I want you to tell me the difference between the two when you're done. And she said she wasn't interested. I said, no. I'm like, I'm dead serious. We should do this. I want you to mm-hmm. shoot both of them, and I want you to tell me what the difference is between the two of them when we're done. So you, you, you keep commenting so convincingly on something you know nothing about. Exactly. It, it, like the George Floyd thing. I mean, I post it, and I'll stick by it. You kneel down on a man's clavicle, his back, part of his neck, if he's a healthy man, I highly doubt that killed him. Remember... Mixed martial art, mixed martial artist. I'm a 170 170 pound man, and I've sparred with 250 pound men and had them kneel on me, put all their weight down on me, punching me, spinning on me with their knee down on me, and I'm still alive. And I did it to a lot of a lot of people myself. If it was that easy to die, 
most mixed martial artists and wrestlers would, would have been dead by now. It's because people are talking about something they know nothing about. Yeah, what about that guy who was actually a part of a, one of the protests who ended up on the jury? Kind of funny, you know, those are very, those are very, very smart people. Those, those uh, lawyers are very, very smart people. They really, really know who those jury people are during jury selection. Maxine Waters, mad Marxist, mad Marxist Maxine Waters. I get tongue twister every time I say that. Uh, actually, I, I said I called her that in my commercial that will be coming out, and I actually got it out the first time. I was like, holy cow, let's not do that one again. Mad Marxist, Marx, Mad Marxist Maxine Waters. She's out there calling for more violence. Joe Biden, he's talking about what happened. You know, we going to get the right, you know, the uh, the right call on this and this and that. You don't think they didn't know that that might trigger a mistrial? You what happens yeah. if there's a mistrial? What happens if there's a mistrial? Because it was really cold when all that went down. But what's going to happen? How long would that take? Probably dead heat of summer when it's nice and warm and all of a sudden there's a mistrial? Mark my words, if there's a mistrial, that was all set up for another huge, huge. Uh, um, uh, this, this, this country, that might be what pushes us over the edge. I'm, conv- you know, there. Uh, okay, I can't say too much, but <laughs> I understand. There's a yeah, lot. We, we've talked about that. Yeah, we've talked about that on a number of occasions here on, on how far those type of things would go. You know, with 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 the violence we'll we'll see in the streets. Don't you think that maybe it's time we start sending different people to Congress? Because this is what's happening. Maybe we need the Americans. Maybe we need to have an honest kind of conversation and start qualifying representatives in a different way because this is the outcome of it. There's certainly one of the other things I wanted to, to talk about, but it, it kind of makes me say, hmm, why are they allowing this? Um, is, you know, you, you've mentioned that the, the crisis at the border is a health issue. So let's, you know, in, that being the case, I mean, why do you believe first that it's a health issue? And that, again, not being the case, why do you think uh, that the Biden regime is allowing it, you know, at the border? All right, you ready? Buckle up. <laughs> All right, so you know I sent a letter to uh, Vice President Harris, right, with directives on how to handle the border? That, I, I, I'll be honest with you, uh, Jack, I think I missed that one. Okay, so it was on my website, it's on Twitter with Gab and uh, my Facebook page. I put that out. Yeah, I took screenshots and put that out there. So here's why it's a health issue outside of the obvious. The obvious is they're letting in illegal immigrants who are positive with COVID. They're locking us down, yet letting all these people in who are positive with COVID. I mean, that's mind-boggling, right? What else is happening? What else is happening? Okay, you know, these women that are coming through and these young girls. Remember, I I have a daughter and a stepdaughter. You know what I mean? They're they're getting raped and they're getting, you know, that's not cool. I I, I don't even have enough to be polite. I have much harsher words for that topic. But I'm just going to say 
anyone that allows a scenario like that to happen willfully is a monster, okay, period. That's her body. You know, no one needs to be forcing themselves on, onto her, you know. So that that's just one of the lowest things of a human being. Outside of that, even, the drugs are flowing in. Now, I'll tell you something that I haven't talked about openly too much, but I lost my childhood best friend to heroin. And yeah, I call my brother. Had that little brother. Yeah, it's, if you've ever dealt with someone who is an addict, and I, I just, my heart breaks for his mom. She's like my other, he's like my other mom, right? <clears throat> it's always broken. I, I tried so many ways, but when someone's an addict of heroin or these, you know, tough drugs, uh, once it gets you, it has you, okay? Hence, like, uh, they call it the bite. That's why so many, you know, uh, artists, you know, musicians, that's why they wind up dying. I mean, that's the end of the road because it's so powerful. These drugs are coming through, let alone fentanyl, which is way worse than even heroin. If, in my opinion, and I had this conversation Saturday night with someone that's a recovered addict at a uh, Republican Party, and I, I'm just, I applaud her. You ever see the uh, that video that went, or the image that went viral of the woman with a sign? She's standing in between protesters, and they have their bikes there, and they're ready to, like, war. And then the police, they all have the right gear on, and it's the girl standing in the middle. Have you ever seen that one float yeah, around? Yeah, I think That's I have her. seen that one. That's oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually speaking at one of her events in Schaumburg, Illinois, this, this coming Saturday, which I guess BLM's going to be there, Antifa, so this should be a good time. Uh, yeah, be careful. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it's, a, uh, it's a back to blue rally. Um, you know, I'll have security with me anyways, private security for this one. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. Mm-hmm. Those guys are... Those ex-military, you know, I did MMA with these guys. They ain't going to let nothing happen to me. I, I guarantee that. Uh, so, anyway, so we were talking about just, you know, the health concerns and how the drugs are coming into the country and finding themselves into rural areas, much like the, the 16th District. It's uh, If you don't know anything about it, it's, uh, I believe it's like 90, 90.2% white um so 50 i I believe the median income is about fifty one thousand dollars and it's got air pockets of much lower than that right and these kids these young people have nothing better to do uh so you know it's get you know young pregnancies and um drugs so she was explaining how it comes in illinois and there's a highway they call it heroin highway uh and there's also an airport Aurora Airport, which many law enforcement believe a lot of it comes in there, flies in there, but what are you going to do? And then you get on I-80, which is heroin highway, and you come into Aurora or you, you come into the city, you know, and that's how it gets into the city. And she was explaining how, you know, these meth labs and, uh, you know, dirty meth in, in the process here in Illinois, and it's, it's you know, very similar in other states how it unpacks, but it all comes, it all starts at the border. So if we're able to plug up the border, we're able to impact 
the trade and in supply and demand means that it's going to, you know, it's going to be priced out of what these people, you know, can pay. So of course you're going to have, you know, people, you know, um, you know, the putting other stuff in it, which makes it dangerous. But the whole thing, you know, the more of it comes in here, the stronger drugs come in here, the more addictive they are. Right. And then the mm-hmm. next part of this is look at all the all the guns, the illegal guns that come in from the southern border. They can never quite answer where all the guns come from in in uh, in in the city of Chicago. They say, well, they they go over the border to Indiana. No, that's not necessarily true. You know, oh, they get them from a robbery. There's a lot of guns. <laughs> they ain't just getting them. You know the way that they're saying they're coming in illegally into this country. And that's why it's, it's really, it's a health crisis. I mean, it's, it, there's just so many reasons why we need to take care of our Southern border. I mean, all of our borders, but mainly our Southern border And the Democrats, it's like they want this scenario to happen. Right. They'll say, well, it's a race, this and that, you know, I've already been called a, all those things are racist and all that stuff. And I'm like, you obviously have not looked at my family picture. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had someone tell me that and uh, they said, well, you could still be a racist. I'm like, you're an idiot. I, I have children. <laughs> I have children with these women. You know, like, it's not even, I dated them. I'm married to one and I have children with both of them and they're both not white, you know? So, Okay. You know, that's nonsense. And actually, the, to be perfectly honest with you, the woman I dated before, my wife was black. You know what I mean? She was a very educated. Uh, I think she got her doctrine in journalism, you know. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, it, it's your character. It's who you are. I mean, either you're a good person or you're not. It's really that simple. Uh, and so, you know, the Democrats – you know, they want to use everything they can, and it often makes me wonder, and I'm not saying all the Democrat leaders like this. Obviously, they're not. I know there's some good ones in there. But there's some that they're looking for a recipe for destruction, and they're allowing it to happen. And, and these are many of the reasons why I wanted to get into politics. Like I said, it was a higher calling. I never wanted to. But then when it, when it all started unpacking and, you know, it was uh, – you know, this was a battle, I guess, maybe I was made to fight, right? You have these people who are, you know, for whatever their gain is, allowing other human beings to be murdered, suffer for their own gain. And I, that that won't fly with me. I, that's, I, don't ha- I don't even have to like you, <laughs> but I still want to make sure you can live and maybe live long enough to see, you know, maybe – mistake in your own ways or maybe maybe long enough for us to realize we both made mistakes but i value life right um i think i think maybe we even talked about neoconservatism or whatever and that's not me that's not me we don't need to blow people up to test bombs we can we can blow up targets to do that now now why do you think the and all that stuff you know being true why do you think the the administration is, is allowing this to happen. Why do they want the destruction? Why do they want all these illegals here? You know, why do they want all the drugs? I mean, what, what do you think? 
that they're they're allowing it, and they are allowing. I mean, Bobby, she's supposed. That's why I'm I'm kind of worried about the the space program because uh, Harris was also putting uh, put as the head of the space council, so she might never go to NASA because uh-huh. she was put ahead of she. You know the the borders are, I guess you can say. And I always find it funny. Isn't it always the Democrats who appoint czars? I always thought that was interesting. But anyway, but she hasn't ever been to the border yet, through my understanding of it. Well, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I was actually on the uh, Mark Hayes show this morning, and he said, I don't think she knows where it's at. <laughs> yeah. I had to hold back from giggling because <laughs> we are trying to get through the piece there. That's actually, that's a good point, you know. So why do I think it's happening? I mean, obviously I'm just speculating because I don't know. I don't have any insider information. I mean, a lot of this conversation is just conversation, right? But exactly. my, my, my thoughts are this. You have, uh, you have a large population right now that doesn't want to work because it's a conscious decision not to work because it's cheaper. I mean, you know, if you make $700 off the government a week, right, or whatever the number is, yeah. a job means you would make 800 but then you don't have to pay for gas. You don't have to get aggravated. You're not going to be eating out, you know, like eating at a, a, you know, like a fast food place. Well, shoot, you make more money sitting at home. So, all right. Yeah. We got that going on. <laughs> right, right. You're, yeah, no wear and tear on your vehicle. No public transportation, none of that stuff. So, I mean, it's, you know, people people are smart. You know, they'll say, well, this, this makes better sense. Well, now we have all these jobs that are empty. So who's going to fill those jobs? The, you know, the jobs that Americans don't want. I mean, because that narrative has already been pushed and bought, right? Oh, yeah, that's for certain. Right, so... With that said, who's going to take care of those jobs? Well, it's going to be the illegals he's going to give amnesty to. And then who's going to keep voting Democrat? Exactly. Just like, yep. just like, they, just like they did to the black people, right? The same thing. Oh, yeah, hey, we hooked you up. We did this and that. Just, just you know, just remember, keep voting Democrat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to – I'm a, I was actually speaking with uh, the head of the uh, Black Republicans of uh, Martin Luther King on Saturday, and uh, they they may gerrymander the district that it'll put it into uh, a Democrat area, right? A heavily Democrat, and it would be white, Hispanic, and black. And he mm-hmm. he said he'll come out and help me campaign in the black neighborhood. I said, cool, I don't have a problem. I've never had a problem with black people at all. I mean, maybe it's vowel, maybe it's just my, you know, vowel into my name. Maybe it's a, just the way I am because, you know, they know I grew up near, you know, the hood, if you will, right? So I can mm-hmm. talk that kind of language. But um, I forget, you're catching me late in my day, man. <laughs> it's been a long day for me, yeah. so I'm a little off. Man, I'm, I'm day sure it has been. <laughs> So, jeez. Uh, um, so these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're, I guess what we were saying about is, is why is it happening, right? So uh, the people who get hurt by letting these, oh, I was saying about the black people constantly getting hurt. 
one of the things I would do if, if I got a if I have a um, a black area in the district because they move it around is I'm going to tell them just like like Trump did. What do you have to lose? What have the Democrats done for you? Tell me how your life improved at when President Obama was in office. How did it improve? What happened? Tell me where you got ahead. More money was in your pocket when President Trump was in office. So how is how has a Democrat benefited you? You know, now we have less police. Police don't want to do their job because they're afraid to do anything under right. Democrat rule. Has that made your neighborhood safer? Maybe maybe it's time that the black community needs to have a more honest conversation with white politicians. Because when did picking the guy or gal that looks like you benefited you? And maybe maybe it's time that you start giving, you know, some white guy with blue eyes like myself a chance to try to help you. Because maybe 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 we're all brothers and sisters and that's just really what it is in the end of the day. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we should just have that conversation. So the you know, allowing the legals in that impacts that, the black community. I mean, again, they're getting screwed by the Democrats. Uh, if you look at it statistically, because the, the lower earning jobs that are in a lot, you know, around a lot of those areas where they would work, that's who gets those, those jobs. So, again, the black community gets screwed by the Democrats. So what do I think is happening? I, I think, I think that uh, Democrats are st- stacking the cards in the favor so they could turn this country into a communist country. I mean, I'm speculating, but, you know, I'm probably 99% certain that's what's happening. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, and I'm not going to say who because, I, you know, I, I can't do that. But when I was down at CPAC, I, I had some really awesome conversations with some very, very powerful people. One of them was a very odd conversation, and not meaning odd, it was the conversation was odd. It was just the setting was odd. Um, I was actually with one of the, you know, people on my team trying to figure out where I was invited to two VIP events. And I was like, okay, which one do I go to? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, because it's like, okay, you're, I'm only going to places I can leverage. Because I, I, if I don't have to be out in the public, you know, I, I'll go – hang around with the constituents all day long. I don't care about that. But anywhere else, I know someone's going to try to jam me up, so I have to think that way. Like, you know, why would I want to bother, right? So we're trying to figure it out, and I'm sitting uh, or I'm standing by a bench, and there's this uh, woman sitting on this bench having a cigarette, and she's got a name tag on and everything. I couldn't quite make it out, and I didn't want to stare at her because I don't want to make her uncomfortable. Right. But, uh, you know, so I just politely said, oh, so what are you doing here? You know, and she said, oh, I'm I don't want to say her position, but um, it was very high up in a in one of those southern states, like really high up. And uh, I said, wow, that's so interesting. And I said, well, what do you think of uh, the event? And she kind of said that. And, and I said, yeah. And I'm like, what specifically are you working on? Because that's like kind of the question to ask, you know, um, you know, like uh, elected officials who are not like the ones you see on TV, right? So what specifically are you working on? And she told me mm-hmm. it was like criminal reform. And I said, oh, that's really interesting. 
And um, professionally, I represent, you know, with my digital marketing company, a lot of different attorneys. So I speak to a lot of different attorneys normally, right? So we wind up chatting, and she tells me, uh, I don't know, I say out of nowhere, I, I said to her, I said, hey, can I ask you an honest question? You know, I know the politicians are going to say whatever, you know, they need to say, but I'm going to ask you, socialism, democratic socialism, is this really happening? Like the way it's being portrayed, like is this really happening? And she said, absolutely. Not in those words. They were actually like four-letter words in there, but I was kind of taking <laughs> back. Yeah, I was taken back because I was like, wow, okay, well, these conservative women give it to you the way it is, I suppose, right? And she said, Mm -hmm. absolutely, they're pushing, everything is on a fast track right now uh, because they have... I think think Trump's election spooked them. I I do. I think that they were going at their their pace, which I think that they were comfortable with. And I think once Trump got elected, they're like, oh, hell. If he gets re- especially if the the chance of him getting reelected, I think they really spooked him. They thought, man, we got to really accelerate our efforts. But go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, it, there's there's so much. There's a lot that's happening in this country and the upper echelons of our government. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of stuff happening, and um, I told my wife. Heck of a time in American history for me to run for gov- for office for uh, government office, right? <laughs> yeah, could have picked a better couldn't have picked a better time, but you know it wouldn't be my style not to, right? Um, right? So she told me, no, it's it's legit, it's happening, and I said, oh man, you know, in in when I actually stop and sit down, and from being around those people, it's not the only conversation I had, but that was the one that stuck, you know, what I mean, like. Like, I know there was no BS politics attached to that conversation because this, her body language, the way she said it, um, the, you know, linguistically, you know, how she chose her words, it, there was so much honesty behind it. It, it wasn't propaganda. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was straight. This ma- she was a matter-of-fact type woman. And, and I was like, holy cow, wow, all right. You know, and, and it, it's almost heartbreaking when I sit back because now I look at everything under that lens. And um, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one. Your viewers will enjoy this one, uh, or your listeners. I mean, I speak to a lot of congressional candidates and senatorial candidates. You know, obviously Republicans all across this country. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think you even noticed. I mean, I'm pretty aggressive on Twitter, and I'm pretty say matter of fact, and <clears throat> I'm no different. You know, if I have to deal with hard issues, I'm I'm just as rough, right? I, I guess rough is a way to put it. Um, so a lot of these guys, you know, they, they like me. I mean, they, they like my tone. They, they, they like that I'm willing to put it out there like that and get in your face and this is what it is, right? They like that about me. So they reach out to me. And I uh, befriended one gentleman. I'm not going to say who he is, but he, he's running in Texas, but he's originally from California, and he used to be, a uh, he was in a he was a director and he was a, a finance guy and he was something else for some films indie films mainly right and mm-hmm. he told me how um, the straw that broke the camel's back for him and it did uh, before I get into this did you did you watch on uh, PragerU 
they had uh, Rogan O'Hanley, which is DC Drano. He did his um, like interview behind the scenes. Did you see that one? I did. No, I have not. Mm-mm. It's worth watching. I actually sat with him in uh, Florida and uh, had a burger with him. And uh, huh. very, very, very smart, smart guy. So. Well, I'll be down in Florida in August and November, but <laughs> try to try to yeah try to reach out to him. He's down there. He lives right 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 around there. Um, yeah, reach out to him. So I'm trying to like remember exactly how this went down. <clears throat> um, so he was on a movie, and they were going through the scenes. And it was like a pro-American, like, military-type movie, like an indie movie. But the Chinese investors wanted to change the tone of the movie to be where the American people didn't trust or didn't like the American government. And so the undertone was, is well, this government needs to be replaced, and now this has not happened. This wasn't the first time that he's witnessed this. It's just the first time it really registered to him, right? Like he's like, hell no, I'm not getting involved with that. And he walked away from uh, from from Hollywood because of that. He said that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, if you watch Rogan, Rogan O'Hanley's, uh, was it Reagan? Rogan? I think it's Rogan. Hopefully I'm not messing his name up. <laughs> If you're listening, dude, sorry, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's such a nice guy, too. He's, he's, yeah, it's Rogan O'Hanley. He had a very similar story where he, you know, like how much leftist money, and I don't know if he said Chinese money, or I mean not Chinese, but like CCP money, right? Uh, right. I believe he did, but I, I don't don't quote me. I may be wrong on that one. But he was saying how the leftist money is just steering this whole thing, and how there's so many closet conservatives in Hollywood, and there's so many closet conservatives around the the country. I mean, I know a bunch of them that just keep their mouth shut because they don't want to deal with it. Well, that's the problem. Is 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 and and, and if I you know digress here is it goes back sure, to what I said. Pardon me. No, say go ahead. Yeah, so it's complacency. The conservative complacency is our enemy. These people are vicious, and no one wants to deal with it. It's only a small a small percentage of people that we can easily overpower. It just we have to decide when enough is enough, and hopefully we don't decide enough is enough when it's too late. And that's right. inferior. And, and I don't mean – I'm not calling to arms. I'm not saying something like that. What I'm saying enough is enough is in, in 2022 – when we have the primaries, we need to make sure we have no rhymes. We need to send people with some grit to Congress, and we have to make sure they win. And we have to get involved. So I'm going to go on this tangent here, but we need to get involved with local voting. We need to have, like, let's be honest. I mean, to you, your listeners, let's have a very honest conversation. We left our conservative women to fight the battles and they did such a great job. They did it ferociously, but they're the ones that got involved with being election judges and uh, precinct uh, committee men. And, and, and they're, they're involved with the chairs, the, you know, the County chairs in all the voting and, you know, all those processes, right? Maybe 
maybe conservative men, not maybe, conservative men, maybe we need to give them a break because they did they, they fought that one. But if, if Democrats want to go in there and try to intimidate and bully, you know, conservatives, then maybe we need mm-hmm. to start sending in our men. You know, our men with a, you know, our, um, and maybe maybe since they like to try to block the view, maybe we need to start sending in our six foot five, six six, you know, six seven and seven foot tall men. You know, in there because you're not going to block their view; they'll just see right over you. And if they want to act like tough guys and, and bully and stuff like that, maybe we and bully our women, you know, because that's what this has come to because this is what they chose how to do. Then maybe we need to start sending in our men to start getting involved and, and give our women a break, you know, because they've been fighting for conservatism. And I think a lot of our conservative men have sat back and a lot, a lot of things happened that shouldn't have happened, if, if I'm going to be frank with you. So that's what I, I no. in 2020, 2022, I believe that we need to, we need to, we need to have a plan. You know, we need to have a plan and that plan is, you know, it's great to go to the rallies, but everybody needs to come off the bench and get involved. Everybody in the game. Everyone needs to vote. Everyone needs to be there to make sure that things are being done correctly. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that's on my that's on my list to do. Yeah, to be a I want to be a poll watcher. Exactly, exactly. And we need to have we we need to have redundancy. We need to have people know the job there. And uh, our state legislature, so now let me tell you about this, like voting. I know this wasn't on your list, but I'll tell you this, and I want to give you and your, your listeners something, a bit of hope. But we're not going to rely on this. Please do not rely on this. In Illinois, at least, and, and a lot of the county chairs that I spoke with, they are taking the battle to the Democrats. They really are. They're suing them. There's so many lawsuits that are going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. People are saying, oh, what about election, 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 election? Well, it's not a switch, and it's not going to happen right away. But there are so many lawsuits that are going to happen. And matter of fact, I was on the phone with one particular chair trying to think through. Uh, you know, he's just smart. we get along really well. He's a smart cookie. We were trying to think through if what had happened was malicious or stupidity, and what I came up with, and, and, and we concurred, is that the design of the process, the processes, right, was loosely written for a reason. And you ever hear that saying, dumb like a fox, when someone appears to be dumb, but they're actually super sharp, and that was part of their, their, their MO? Part of their stick? <laughs> Say that again. So part of their sick <laughs> to make you they make yeah, you think exactly. that they're not they're 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 dumb, but they're they're not. Well, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what's happening here in 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 this particular case, right? But he's going to win this one. He's going to win this one. And, and you know, would it overturn some votes? You know, I we don't know. It's not really. It's like pick your battles, right? It's. It's not enough. The county's not enough to overturn anything really big. So what the point is, is that it can't be done again, right? And it's unfortunate, but maybe that was part of Trump's strategy, is he knew something like this was going to happen, and it was going to have to be exposed. And this is how oh, yeah. it got exposed, right? Maybe he knew that 
he might be the sacrificial lamb. I don't know. I haven't spoke with him yet. Uh, we're trying to put together a meeting. Uh, maybe I'll have time to ask him that question. Maybe he would feel comfortable telling me or not. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm suspect to that because he's no dummy. But so, no. so your listeners know there is uh, – there is the, there are a lot of Republican on the local level, on the county level, taking the fight to the Democrats and winning all throughout this country. And that, that should give everybody a bit of hope. Well, that's good because with HR1, and I think it's a good segue to this one, with HR1 and the you know, George Floyd laws, you know, if they were to pass, uh, you know, of course, essentially taking you know, the voting and policing powers away from the state, uh, you know, what could be done about that? Let's say you're in office, but that that could be, you know, like a, a law you could sponsor or a co-sponsor, or you know, I mean, what's your thoughts? You know, if, if that were to happen, because if they're able, and I, there's going to be a lot of fights on that, both in, in the Senate and if it ever gets, you know, passed, it, it, it'll go to the Supreme Court. But you know, let's say well, but you you really can't rely on the. I don't think you can rely on the Supreme Court right now. <laughs> so, well, you know, even okay, with the so-called so- conservative majority. All right, so here, let me, okay, let me, here, you know, let me unpack this. Let's start with the Supreme Court. Here's what I'm hopeful of. The Supreme Court being conservative, positive, everything needs to be packaged up correctly. And what I believe a lot of Americans know, but they don't want to accept is things take time. When you go, when you try to go straight to the Supreme Court, that's not the right process. The Supreme Court is called the Supreme Court for a reason, meaning that all the other courts couldn't provide a solution. You know what I'm saying? It, it, that's what it's there for. So a lot of these cases that are in the lower levels, sometimes Democrats, by allowing all this nonsense to happen, it exposes the bias, and uh, it, well, I wouldn't. It, it doesn't. They don't offer a resolution. Okay. Well, that's why you have a Supreme Court. That's how it gets to that point. I mean, and I'm not saying exactly the way it needs to be, but without, you know, going too deep into it, that's generally what needs to have to happen. So, you got to give the Supreme Court a chance to operate at a level that it really can't be overturned from a lower court or an appellate, right? So everything has to be, all all the T's have to be crossed, all the I's have to be dotted, and these things take time. So I'm, I'm, that's, as far as I'm going to defend the Supreme Court, of course I'm frustrated like everyone else as well, but I mean, the process is the process, so I guess we just have to go along with it, right? Even though it kind of sucks. Now, the other thing you, you brought uh, you brought up was H.R. 1, uh, you know, introducing it now, you know, do they think they can get it passed? Probably not, but they're going to try. You know, if they can get enough Republicans, um, you know, with dirt or whatever the heck they're doing, right, enough rhinos, then um, – you know, maybe they have a chance, right? But I, I don't think everybody's on board with that one. And then the George Floyd laws, like, you know, just getting rid of the 
uh, police and have military, I mean, we might as well just be Nazi Germany at that point. Exactly. The Gestapo, yeah. Well, I, I think they're using the DOJ uh, to go after their political opponents. I mean, look what's happening to Matt Gates, And then, you know, look what's happening uh, to G- uh, Giuliani. Uh, look what, you know, going on with them. Look what's, you know, what they're trying to do to Trump. I do. I think I think they might be using that that with Gestapo top yeah tactics. My wife and I were talking about that, and she knows that's what they'll probably do to me if elected, because they know she knows my personality. The more you push and try to lean on me, the more I dig my heels in. Um, I have this gift and curse that's called incredibly stubborn, like on a whole other level of stubborn, right? That's what they're doing. Gates, you know, until there's irrefutable evidence on Gates, I've said I've had his back on this one because I think they're trying to smear him or I think they tried to use one thing and took it out of context to make it something into what it's not, right? Right. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's a fighter. She may have said some stuff that was taken out of context or some stuff that was just out there, you know, not really – meant to be something and then they spun it and turn it and you know and then trump and then rudy giuliani to me you know these people are going up against something that you know there's so remember going back to my friend i said the mensa guy when this covid Mm -hmm. thing popped he said to me he's a jack they're doing this to get rid of trump i'm like ah man they've been talking about you know, a super virus for a long time. We we're well overdue. He goes that we were all well overdue because they put everything out, the propaganda years ago, right? That's what he said to me. And I'm like, oh, geez, come on, man. You know, he's, he's a little out there, but he's super smart. Yeah, some are you know, calling I, it a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And there's people are calling it a pandemic. I mean, you know, I don't want to go down those roads. I'm not going to dismiss anything. How about that? You know, I, I'm just going to kind of just say, well, let me just be neutral on this because I am trying to get elected. <laughs> as Fox uh, said, well, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I'm a real big Star yeah. Trek fan. So as Fox says, there's always possibilities. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, you know, uh, the truth is stranger than fiction, right? So, you know, going back to that, I said, well, you know, all this craziness, and I took it serious, but then remember I said how I made my money? It's studying algorithms and being able to beat algorithms. So this is not something you can learn in a book. If I can identify a pattern, I can kind of figure out pretty much what's going on. It's just how my brain works, right? You know. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live, and he said, "Would you think I was going to just be some chill dude?" <laughs> well, yeah, you know, he's kind of like quirky, you know, off the wall, probably the smartest guy on the planet, you know. So, what do you expect him to just be, you know, not have an opinion? Come on, man, this guy's sending rockets to Mars for God's sakes. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not comparing myself to him. I don't have his kind of brains, but. You know, I, I I could see patterns very easily, and um, I can dissect things very easily. I guess that's part of my intelligence is, if you know, if you've ever done an IQ test, uh, it is not what you do online. I promise you that one. <laughs> it's about six <laughs> hours, and your brain is going to be fried when you're done. Uh, oh I took God. one. When, pardon me? 
I said, wow. Yeah, I've never taken them, to be honest with you. I took one when I was 40. <laughs> you know, it was six hours, and, and I was hungry, and my brain was fried, and I just wanted to go home and sleep. Because I was, uh, <laughs> you know, burned up all my all my mental bandwidth. But uh, going back going back to what we were, we were originally talking about, um, you know, all these things are, are – they're not done by accident. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of set and stage. And, oh, and so what my friend was saying, that's what I was getting at, is he's like, Jack, there's a thing called world politics. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, I get that. He's like, dude, I'm telling you. I'm like, okay, all right. And, you know, we went down the rabbit hole together, and uh, I started researching some stuff that wasn't, you know, complete hokey, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I started educating myself more on world politics because now I'm fully engulfed in it, right? So now I'm going to try to know everything I can about it. And I said, well, holy crap. You know, that one world order is, is something that's real. I mean, I wasn't surprised that George Bush did what he did. You know what I mean? What he said. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, once I learned that about him being a, you know, one world order, order rhino conservative, I was like, well, I'm done with that guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I liked him. I mean, I even voted for a guy. But then when I really learned a lot about him, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, no, thank you. Next. Not good so for President Perot Trump, the first time. <laughs> well, he was probably he was the better pick. I mean, you know what? You know where that guy went wrong. Um, if you see in my messaging, right? Or uh, did you watch me speak at the? Uh, I have one video up about me speaking at the uh, Ronald uh, Reagan event. Did you see that? No, I heard about it, but I wasn't able to, to view it. The one I did view was your, uh, and even not all of, all of that, unfortunately, uh, was your comments after the Biden speech. But I didn't, I, was, I wasn't able to catch that one. Okay, those were off the cuff, so that wasn't polished up like the one the Reagan, right? So I'm I'm like okay. matter of fact, right? I'm matter of fact, but I don't try to give too many details, uh, and I try to throw in jokes, right? And we have, you know, I have a, a speech writer, professional speech writer, and I, I, you know, I have like a few people will collaborate on it. Ross Pro went out there and he gave details, trying to educate people. The problem is, is you can't give people too much that they can't, like this, this whole interview, this whole podcast is way too much if someone really wanted to dive in. It's just too much to wrap your brain around, right? Um you know, we so do give a lot of kicking. information here. I will say that. <laughs> right. Sometimes right. I feel like I'm at, a, I'm at a class. Sometimes when our panelists and that are on and, and we're talking and some of the other guests, I feel like I'm at a, I'm at a class or a documentary than, than a podcast. But go ahead. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, just take take it, take what you can out of it, and, and, and that's it. Uh, but what he did is he gave so much data. It's just, you know, human beings, their bandwidth is only so much, and that's everybody, right? Uh, he was the smartest. I mean, he had the, the best plans. It's just how he presented himself, how he marketed himself is the reason why he didn't win. It, it's a shame because he's just, he, man, he had so many great solutions. I mean, he was just, he was so sharp, you know? But, yeah, did you notice that? I mean, he, you know, like maybe a guy like you, you cared to follow all of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I try to carry as much as I. Yeah. And then the thing is, is when he dropped, then he dropped out early. I think the second time around. Um, so, and I, I kind of have a penchant for, 
you know, alternate parties. Like uh, I wrote, now you mentioned, you know, about 2012, that's when the show began. And you mentioned that book, that um, Modernization Act, so I definitely would look more of that. But, uh, you know, when it came to the, the presidents of 2012, uh, I was a big fan of uh, Virgil Goode. Uh, he actually ran for president in the Constitution Party. We had him on here uh, for a number of uh, a number of times, and even after the election. And actually, him and I over over time you know, developed a friendship. Now he he's pretty much walked away from politics uh, at this point. I think he just you know wants to have a quiet retirement. I know we worked in some projects for the uh, you know the Trump administration, uh, but I think he's kind of stepped away from now. But so I've always kind of had a. And he'll salt of the earth guy. I tell you what, if I mean he would have been better than uh than Romney or Obama by by far, but sure, yeah. You know, there's you know here's here's what I've learned. Uh it, it, a lot of it is money and messaging because they're gonna put the right person in that's gonna play their game. Now we have a better fight at the um you know, congressional level to get our guys in. But when it comes to president, you know, a lot of times it's we're going to get our own guy in, you know, and we're going to just outspend. I mean, look at how much they they, they spent on uh, uh, Obama, billion dollars. How much they spent on, on Hillary that she lost? How much they spent on her? One and a half billion? Oh, yeah, 1.25 or something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they couldn't get their their guy in there because, you know, it, honestly, I mean, no one trusted her. I mean, I, no one trusted her. So, um, yeah, I, I forgot where we're going. We went down the rabbit hole on that one. <laughs> yeah, we do we do that on occasion uh, here on uh, on Bard's Logic. Uh, that's okay. It's we we do that. Uh, I wouldn't say on a weekly basis, but yeah, we do. We do that like like every show. Every show I have has a main title or a main topic. You know, or a couple topics we like to talk about. But we we certainly go off on tangents and get off on different subjects. But that's the organic. I I like to say that's the organic nature of the show. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm pretty sure half of it's going to wind up bite me in the rear end later. But that's all right. I mean, I'll I'll figure it well, out when I listen well, to it. Well, you know, but but. But the point is, I mean, well, yeah, I'm sure you, know, you might get some, uh, you know, some feedback, let's call it that, you know, on some of the things. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. but I think that is a, a part of what you said earlier, you know, is we actually need real people to be representing us. People, you know, of and by the people for the people instead of of and by the politicians for the politicians. And, and, that's, mm-hmm. and that is really what America needs. That's what it used to be. Uh, but – Somehow, you know, I find it ironic, if, if I may uh, take some time here, that um, because if you listen to a lot of my a lot of my other podcasts, you'd be surprised how little, as the host of the show, that I actually talk on it. Uh, but anyway, uh, usually guests and callers and panelists, stuff like that. But uh, you know, I always thought it was amazing how, and this was during you know all the hoopla, you know, when all these people, both Republicans and Democrats, were, were getting on Trump. And it was around Christmas time, and I don't know why they they played, you know, Mr. Smith goes to uh, Washington around Christmas. No idea why they decided around Christmas time to play the movie, but they did. And then I looked at the, the, the credits, and I was like, wait, this, this movie was made in, like, 1943. I'm like, 
people have been aware of and complaining of the, you know, the corruption in Washington, D.C. for 80 years. We finally get a pre- – in my, in my estimation, we finally get a president that wants to you know, drain the swamp, as he said, actually wants to address the corruption of Washington, D.C., you know, and then you know, also he promotes getting you know, people like yourself in there. And we, the media, the, you know, what I call the propaganda arm of the DNC, was successful in convincing almost half the country that this guy was a bad guy. It's like almost all, almost the entire nation was wanted to uh, you know get rid of the you know the corruption in Washington. We finally get somebody who's actually going to address it. And they were successful in getting about half the nation to hate the guy. I was totally baffled by that. But uh, I'll get off my soapbox here now, Jack. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Hey, man, you know what? It, it was – why did they get half the nation to hate the guy? What, I mean, you know, or probably not even half the nation. But why did, why did they do that? What was in it for them? I mean, that's, that's – you know, what did they try – okay, so we know, we know the truth. Right, and, the, and there's people who've been brainwashed or manipulated, right? And, and I'm not going to hate them. They oh only, yeah. They only know what they know because, you know, of uh, really smart people manipulating them. So I'm not trying to hate on them at all, right? So, what do we, you know, why do they want him out so bad? Well, he's an outsider. He's a businessman who I believe brought the red pen, you know, to the party, and no one wanted that. They just wanted business as usual. And all of a sudden you got this guy saying, hey, man, I don't want our, you know, common sense stuff. I don't want our troops getting killed for some baloney policy. I don't want, you know, we, we don't need to be spending money on all that. And they didn't like that, right? Because this is a big, I mean, you know, this is a big, big uh, money ticket for these guys. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, in, let me tell you this. I get elected, right? The American people, well, mainly, you know, the, the District 16, they elect me. One of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say, hey, I want an audit, and I'm going to start pushing for it. I want an audit of all these trillions of dollars that my children, our children, the American children have to pay for. I want to know where it went, and once it got there, I want to know where the money went from there. I want to do a forensic audit of all this money because I want to know where it went. I think the American people really, really need to start asking that question. Where did all this money go exactly? I want to see receipts. The business owner in me, the entrepreneur in me says, you know what? I think we'd find some interesting, interesting things about where that money went. And how did it benefit America? Go ahead, exactly. say that again. How did it benefit America? I'm going to be honest with you. You know, my whole thing is America first. I'm sure you've seen that a million times on Twitter. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't benefit America, then why are we spending it? If you can't tell me how this benefited us, if you say, well, we invested in, into this program overseas because it brought safety to Americans, okay, fine. I mean, I want to, you know, we're going to dig into a little bit more so I can make sure you're not, you know, lying to me. But 
if it doesn't benefit the American people, then I don't feel like we should keep paying for it. This out of control spending needs to stop. No, certainly because, and and I've said this for quite some time is. Well, no, I want to. Yeah, I want to hear your feedback on it. Well, they, yeah, they don't. They don't. They are, are so-called representatives. They, they don't act like they represent us anymore. They, they they don't represent we the people. They represent. It seems like, especially the Democrat parties, and there's certainly some Republicans as well, where they it seems like they represent illegal immigrants, foreigners, and even our adversaries more so than the American citizens. I would agree with that statement, and and so. What do you think that is? Or do you think they're investing into, you know, new voters or trying to control their voter base? I mean, is that what it is, or, or do you think that well, maybe think, the American people are starting to pick up on it? Well, I think that, uh, I, I think with the illegal immigration, I think a lot of it is that they're noticing, the Democrats at least, that they're losing, they're, they're losing, you know, a big part of their constituents in. They're they're losing more minorities to the Republicans. They're losing more of the youth to to the Republicans, and they need to, they need a new constituency. That's why they want to have them flood in, give them amnesty, and then, as you said earlier, you know, have them just continually to to vote Democrat. So it's all about building a new constituency for them. That's why I think they're you know just allowing all this uh, you know, illegal immigration to just you know pour in. It used to be where, you know, on the Republicans, it was about, you know, getting, uh, you know, cheap labor. But I think for the Democrats, it's about power. And that's, you know, why I ask is like, look, you, know, you have all these votes like voting for H.R. 1 and voting for the, the, the George Floyd, especially H.R. 1. That's just to give the Democrats more power. That's, that's what that's about. That's a big power grab. Uh, just like, mm-hmm. they, you know, D.C. And, uh, and Puerto Rico states. Those are all just power grabs. Uh, you know, packing the court power grab. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they're doing those. And then they, I think they, I think here's what I think a lot of the Democrats think when it comes to China. I think that they believe they see the writing on the wall, and that one day China will overtake the United States just for the pure fact that you know they've got such a large population that one day economically they're just going to take us over. So this might sound kind of kooky, but I'm a big sci-fi person, right? And it's almost like, yeah. you know, what you've seen on, like, you know, the X-Files or, you know, where they, you have this group, this cabal almost. I don't even want to use that word, but uh, where they get together and say, look, we know these guys are taking over. We want to be on the side that's taking over. So let's do everything we can. <laughs> Again, this might sound mm-hmm. conspiratorial, but let's do everything so that, you know, when they do take over, we're on their good side. And so I think that's why they're, you know, kowtowing. Uh, the places like, you know, the, the China, and since China is, you know, buddies with, you know, like Iran, maybe that's why they're willing to give uh, give back Iran $150 billion. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I don't blame you for thinking that. I, I really don't, and, and I don't think you're wrong for thinking that. And if we're just going to have a conversation here, and let's forget that I'm running for Congress, but let's just have a conversation here. I don't believe – that it would be so far-fetched. I mean, think about this. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. so far-fetched that, hey, this ship is going down. Let's get everything we can out of it. Well, just like with the Obama administration, and that's what, and that's what Trump said. The Obama administration 
was managing the decline of the United States. That's what mm-hmm. they were trying. I think that the Obama administration was managing it and nudging it along. I think the Biden administration was nudging along the decline of the United States. But I think this new Biden-Harris regime, I don't even call it administration. I describe it as a regime. And mm-hmm. I, I say that they're just like full steam ahead because, again, I think they want the, the decline, the diminishment, as I call it, uh, of the United States to have been more gradual. But I see what they've seen, what happened in uh, the United States, uh, what happened in England, and what happened in Germany, where you know you had more populist uh, people being you know elected, you know more nationalist you know being uh, elected. They thought that this is really going to put that this could stop our globalist agenda by having these type of you know politicians in, and in order for us to have our you know our, our globalist goals. We have to bring down the United States because without you know, with the, we can only do it with a diminished United States. And Trump was having none of that, you know. And mm-hmm. we, we we speculated that the fix. I mean, we had we had a group that we were working with uh, back in 2016, uh, Watch to Vote USA, and uh, mm-hmm. they were successful in, in getting a letter to Trump to, to talk about the electronic voter fraud which he was talking about voter fraud even in 2016, but then mentioned uh, – towards the end mentioned electronic voter fraud because uh, uh, the, the head of you – know, or one of them, one of the founders of Watch the Vote USA was able to get a letter to Trump through, I think, Rand Paul you know, about, hey, we, you need to watch out. They're going to try to rig the election through electronic voting. Well, I think they realized the gig was up. You know, the jig was up. It was aware that they were doing – and so I don't think they, they went through with uh, rigging the election, but, that, but once Trump was in, they did nothing but try to get rid of him, and nothing worked. I mean, part of me, and again, this is going to sound conspiratorial, but part of me thinks that the, even the whole COVID the debacle, you know, pandemic as some people call it, I think it may have been in part to, uh, to get rid of Trump because nothing else was working, so they had to release it. Um, Someone told me about the they seen this uh, project two nineteen or or twenty nineteen or something of that nature um, that you know basically there were you know, people like Bill Gates were actually planning what would happen if there was a pandemic well now here it is so it's kind of um, and I don't know if I'm calling that project that by the right name I'll have to uh, you, you ask who brought that up to me what what they actually called it. <laughs> But it was yeah, there like was like a, a video in 2003. Like a war games exercise for a pandemic. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's the mantra of the Democrats? Never let a good tragedy go to waste. Yep. And you also – And I think they did that, yeah. You know, so what, what I have – uh, Man, we're, we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately. Gosh, yep. this is one of those shows that I'm sure we could have – not that your wife would have liked this, uh, but we could mm-hmm. <laughs> another hour. Um, but one thing I do want to bring I, up – She opened the door and she, was, like, had like her, she had like her fist up. She opened up my office door and she had her fist waving it. I don't know what that was about. I thought she was rooting me on, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I hope she was. You know, go, Jack, yep, go, yeah. Jack, go, honey. <laughs> 
much longer because uh, and I really appreciate all the time and it's been you know educational it's been entertaining um it's definitely been enlightening I certainly want to check out that that 2012 modernization act uh that you brought mm-hmm. up but you know you know now they're talking about the you know the COVID passports and some are saying that, you know, they may even, like in restaurants, say, well, if you go here, if you had your shot here, you have to sit here if you haven't. But one of the things that really bothers me about this vaccine, and I'll be honest with you, and I'm not asking you if you have or not. That's your own personal business. But I don't mind stating I have had the COVID shot, and I'm probably not going to get it. Uh, for one, I'm 50. I've already had it. I've already had COVID. Um, most of the people in my family's already had it. My sister said she's had it twice. You know, and, you know, I don't think that – I don't feel like I need to – you know, I need to. Now, if someone feels compelled to do so, that's that's their own thing, but I don't plan to. But one of the things, you know, that bothers me about the, about this is, we don't, one, we don't know what the long term is going to be from, from the shot, okay? And two is, you know, when, what I find ironic about the Democrats is that they want to be able – if someone kills someone with a gun – they want to have a law where, you know, the gun manufacturer can be sued, you know, by the person, by the family, you know, of the person who got killed. So what my question is is, you know, one thing I would like to see is if you maybe if you're elected to con- uh, Congress, you know, perhaps if someone would co-sponsor or sponsor a bill that would allow citizens to sue them, the drug manufacturers, or maybe not sue the drug manufacturers because again, I, I think that'd be kind of hypocritical. But if the government were to somehow mandate people to take the vaccine, and I think if it could be proven that someone's death was directly caused by the vaccine, then maybe people should be able to sue the uh, the federal government. Maybe, I think maybe a, a law should be passed for that. I would think that – okay. No, I have not had the vaccine. My wife and I – for our family have decided that's not the direction we want to go. And we'd rather have people who are vulnerable, take those vaccines because they need them more than us. Cause we're all healthy. I was almost a professional athlete. My my wife is a, you know, she was a, a collegiate athlete, marathon or, you know what I mean? Like everyone's healthy around here. Right. My son's an elite athlete right. and my daughter's 13 months, you know? So now yeah. my son, pardon me. Yeah, it's been 13 months, but they're even talking about giving adolescents the shot now. But good. So okay, so here, here's here's my two cents on this whole thing. I will fight like hell for your choice not to have that. Now I will also fight for someone's choice to have it. That's their choice. I'm staying out of that. Right now. If we do start to see long-term effects down the road, and, and I'm only want to run for three terms. I mean, that's, I'm saying it now, and I've said it, and I put a pledge out, and that's it. I mean, if I, you know, it would take a whole heck of a lot of convincing to change me on that one because I'm already giving up the rest of my 40s, you know, to be in office and serve the public, right? Uh, no, I still have other things I want to do with my life. I would fight like hell to protect your right not to have to take it. But if we started seeing that long-term effects, would I be interested in that? Yeah, that's a conversation I'd probably be willing to have because I never thought it was right. And I also think that 
and, and I'll tell you, you know, something a little personal about me. My wife and I, it took us six years to have our daughter. Our goal, because I'm older, I'm 10 years older than her, was to get married and try to mm-hmm. have a baby right away. And we went right. through in vitro, and my poor wife, she went through pretty much like five years of shots. She has permanent scars oh. on her from getting so many shots mm-hmm. in the same place. And she's little, so there's not a lot of real estate. <clears throat> yep. her, her rear end, her stomach, all the stuff. She had to keep getting these shots, right, to try yep. to conceive, mm-hmm. you know, to, to not conceive, but try to have, carry a baby. And uh, right. our daughter was a sixth time, and it took us six years. So my, we went through wow. miscarriages, stuff like that. We know what – we know, you know, the not, – not just the uh, reproductive issues. Like, we know them very well because, I mean, we spent a ton of money, you know, on that, that insurance didn't cover. A lot. But the emotion – pardon me? Oh, I know. I, 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 you know I, if we have time, I got a little story for you that's uh, not completely similar, but it does have relevance. Right, right. So we went through all this and I, the miscarriages and everything, right? And, 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 and so, you know, I do have permission to talk about this stuff. You know, my wife, you know, said that, you know, we, we needed to talk about it more to, you know, put it out there so other people can know they're not alone, right? So I have full permission mm-hmm. to talk about this. Uh, this is very sacred, you know, very sacred stuff. But we went through mm-hmm. all this, and I don't want to see my children. I don't want to see your children. I don't want to see your listeners' children go through what my wife and I had to go through because we have a great marriage. I mean, we really get along. Like, I mean, when I say God gave her to me, she, you know, he really did. It had to be something divine because we just – jive so well and I know I'm not easy <laughs> you know like I know I'm not right uh and, and she's like closest thing to an angel as you could be so you know how did I ever get so blessed to have a woman like her they had to been God so <laughs> uh with that said I you know it puts so much pressure on us as, as a couple and I don't want to see my children you know your children your listeners children or grandchildren have to go through that so that's what I'm suspect of, and that's my big concern as just a parent, you know, as a dad, is I just don't want them to have to experience what I had to experience. And, um, you know, so if we see that down the road and it was pushed on us and we hear it all, they say, oh, it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. Yeah, no, I think the only logical thing to do from there is to, you know, start to go after it. And that's going to be a big undertaking because there's a lot of layers of law that protects it. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is. there's nothing wrong with not exactly trusting your government, right? I, I'm not one that says, oh, blindly follow everything. I, I, you know, I get it, right? And, I, I mean, I loved so much about President Trump, but I still didn't blindly follow him either. You know what I mean? Uh, there's right. nothing wrong with it. So if you want to have a shot, the jab or whatever, and if that makes you comfortable and you're willing to accept that maybe you may not be able to have children, maybe your DNA may be permanently messed up because they say it's only temporary, you know, some of the shots. This, this. I mean, I read up about it. I have clients that are that are doctors. I asked them, why are so many doctors not getting it? I'm just saying, I'm not saying don't get it. 
I mean, like President Trump said, follow what he said. He said if you're, you know, immune compromised or whatever, you know, you're a senior citizen, I mean, you're probably not going to have kids again, right? You know, right. It, it makes logical sense. But 44 or 43, almost 44, I still have a lot of life, life to live. And I, you know, I'm not sure I want to do, you know, uh, deal with my DNA being messed up. Uh, if that's the case, I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but I'm not willing to risk it. And uh, I have a family to take care of. I have a wife to take care of, and I have a little girl to raise. I mean, my son's almost 18, but, you know, I have a little girl to raise now. These are things I have to think right. about. And this is in, – in, in, I'm only using myself as a model. Your listeners and you, you have your own lives too. And, by the way, I did have COVID twice, right? So, And my son just had it. He just got his negative test result back, and he had a cold. You know, essentially cold, right? We're a little concerned, but me and his mother were, but, you know, he's fine. Uh, I had a major That's headache. Good. Good. <laughs> you know, I, I had a two-and-a-half-day headache. It was brutal, like brutal, and mm. I don't get headaches. So I was like, wow, something's wrong with me. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, I had it. Uh, or, am I naive that there's other strains? No. You know, but we'll see how this plays out. I mean, I, my wife and I, we talked about it. I said, if it gets like, you know, if there's another strain where people start dying, eh, maybe we should get it, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, when I mean start dying, I mean like in, in masses, you know? Well, maybe we need to get right. it. But as of right now, I don't, you know, was it 99 guys in our age bracket, right? Was it 99? 99 percent, yeah. Yeah, 99% and change, right? I don't know. You know, I'm willing to throw the dice so you yeah, said you I, had a story uh, yeah, when i had it, it yeah when i yeah when i had it it was before it was even a thing you know what i mean but i had uh you had it back in february of last year in february yeah february of 2020 and mm-hmm. yeah so what i mean i had a chills for i missed it i missed a day and a half of work that's all i i, I but i had a nagging cough a while afterwards now my wife she mm-hmm. um she, she actually, they actually put her on anti-malarial medication. Wow! And and, yeah, she, and she missed a and she missed a week of work. Mm-hmm. So and then uh, I don't know if I, my daughter or anything, but I mean, with with my daughter though, we, 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 she won't get the shot, especially now. You know, you mentioned stuff with with the fertility. Which when, when she was 18 years old, she's already gone through one because um, she had cysts on her ovaries when she was 16 years old. I knew something that, that horrible, super painful. Yeah, so she had uh, with um, so she had two, and then one came back. But it, long story short, so unfortunately, are uh, getting low on time here. Is uh, she she went through one round of uh, for, for fertility rounds to have eggs frozen. Mm-hmm. So she's already gone through that where she's had to give herself shots in her belly, you know, and and she would see a doctor. Every other day, yeah, the claw man. Blood drawn yeah, claw, yeah. Every other day mm-hmm. for two weeks, yeah. Oh man, yeah, yeah so poor she, thing. Yeah, she's she's only yeah she's only nineteen now. She's going through that, and uh, you know, so there's so there's you know, as you, as you know, it's going to be an ongoing an ongoing thing, um, you know, for so I mm-hmm. I know how that. I mean, it, it makes me mad that you know they'll let the, see that's a, I mean. Who knows? Maybe you can help change this with laws or something. And uh, I don't. I don't want to make anybody pay for anything else for anybody else. But it does kind of burn mm-hmm. my backside uh, that you know they want to they they, they want to go ahead and have tax dollars being made to 
to pay to, to have abortions. Based, you know, to, it's okay to spend taxpayers' dollars to kill a baby, but they certainly don't want to give any tax dollars to help people have a baby. So that's that's always kind of a uh, a pet peeve of mine. I, I would agree with you, and and I'll leave you on this one. But this is you know the reason why I'm so anti-abortion is my first child was aborted against my will. Oh, I can remember awesome. that day like it was. Yeah, and and that's a conversation no one's having is about the father. That I was young, but I wasn't that young. That could have you know it, it would have still been fine. I came from a decent family, and at that time I had a little bit of money. Not much, but a little bit. There was no reason any of that should have happened. And it was, you know, was my body my choice? Well, it's not really. It's God's body, and you don't have a choice. So, you know, the choice was, you know, and I'm not, you know, I understand I'm part responsible, you know, for the creation, but I certainly didn't make the decision. So, you know, when when we you know the conversation is well you know there's you know half of a percent of you know people are raped well it's awful that sucks i mean i think earlier in our conversation you heard what are my stances about people you know women getting raped i mean i'm pretty mm-hmm. serious about that however then we need to bring whoever that person was that raped the woman to justice and there has to be a police report and that's a whole different conversation. But if we're having a conversation of, well, I made a mistake and, you know, you know, in whatever, mm-hmm. that's that's a whole different conversation. You, you know, yeah, they, they, you can't a, take a half of a percent to 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 justify ninety nine percent. It's it's irrational. It's illogical, and I, you know, it's one I just really don't want to hear. Well, yeah, we've only got uh, unfortunately uh, yeah, a few minutes left, yep. and I'll have to you know get get some closing comments. Um, one of my panelists is uh, messaging me; he'd like to you know maybe go over some some campaigning stuff with us some sometime or some time sure. of uh, information or assistance. Some, but unfortunately, we won't have the time to get through that now because I got to do closing comments and close things out. Uh, but I did real quick on the on the abortion issue. My my stance has shifted a little bit since I was. Younger, just I do find it, you know, that's for a different time. But I do remember when I did a research paper on abortion, and including you know women who got abortions when <clears throat> because they were raped, and a lot of times they're actually scarred by the fact that you know they actually yep. they they sometimes feel that they're worse than the rapist because they just you know enacted a violent act on an innocent much like a you know violent act was enacted on her so a mm-hmm. lot of times they think well how am i any worse than you know the person who raped me cuz now i just killed an innocent you know because i didn't want to carry the child but that's a conversation haunts for them just uh, the perhaps same. another day but i'm sorry it haunts them just the same yep that baby yep. does yep. exactly so we only okay, got a few so, minutes for yeah, us to close done. things out. So yeah, uh, closing comments from you. Uh, uh, I appreciate all your time tonight. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, if you got any closing it, comments, you got a you know, about a minute or so before I, I have to close it out. Okay. Closing comments would be this: one, research what I said. You know, in there. I mean, do your own homework. Start bringing those questions up in social media. Let's start talking about Smith and Monday, uh month. I keep saying the wrong month. Uh, act. Let, let's talk about that more often. Let's start asking the questions. Let's send this to the legislation. Let's send it to our congressman. Let's ask why. You know what's going on with that. 
Let's bring that conversation up. That should be a national conversation. And, and this is on both sides of the aisle. If if Americans want to start to bring peace back to this country, we got to start talking about that. That's the core. That's the center of all of it. And that's my belief. Also, you know, we need to have honest conversations moving forward about the type of how we qualify our candidates. And I think we covered some of that. You know, give that some consideration because these beautiful people that have lived these perfect lives, that always have these perfect answers, seem to be the reason why we are where we're at. So maybe we need to think a little bit differently. Maybe the guy that's not as attractive or the gal that's not as attractive, you know, who comes off as real, maybe we don't exactly like her answer, but we're like, well, dang, that's honest. Maybe that's the type of person that we need. We need to change things up because the way we've been doing them is not right. It hasn't working, and we are in the cusp of some really bad American history right now. I mean, we're we're in a bad place, and I think most of your listeners would agree. Also, at the end, uh, I would say go to LombardiForCongress.com. You'll learn more about me, my stance, and that's where you can donate as well. Follow me on Twitter, Gab Facebook. Uh, I'm mostly on face on. I'm sorry, on Twitter. You want to interact with me, send me a message. I'm usually good to get back to people, you know, at least within the day. That's all I got. Well, no, I certainly appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you, uh, I'm sure, uh, on Twitter, and hopefully we'll uh, you know, have you back on the show. I certainly appreciate all the, all the time uh, that you spent. I hope I didn't get your, your, your wife mad at you. <laughs> no, she's just, star- she's just staring daggers through me right now. It's okay. No, she's just staring uh, through my soul her, right uh, now, but. Well, we'll we'll put we'll put a time. You can put a time limit on it if you want, uh, or she wants. You know, <laughs> when you get to no, back she, on the show. But, she, no, a, a no, I'm just kidding. It. She's actually just she actually just looked at me and waved. But uh, oh, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it again, and we can have a we can you know we could definitely dive down uh, some rabbit holes, some different conversations because Americans need to have these type of open conversations, especially with the people they want to send to government. All right, God bless you guys. God bless your listeners. God bless America. And uh, let's keep fighting. Let's put America first. Definitely. Thank you very much. You take care and have a good night. You too. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. And, folks, that was uh, Jack Lombardi. He was kind enough to spend uh, the entire uh, time on the show, so we certainly appreciate that. Uh, So definitely listen to uh, the podcast if you haven't listened live. Uh, and also share it, of course, on your social media or your email as well. And definitely want to have him back on. So we only got about 30 seconds. So I want to let you know that uh, we will be back uh, on Wednesday night at 10 uh, p.m. And then look for our episode on the 19th where we'll be welcoming Amy Murray, who is the former director of Office of Small Business Program for the Trump administration. Uh, so we'll be having uh, her time on uh, with the Department of Defense. Uh, See you next time. Take care and good night.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.